Hello everyone, welcome to the Nerd Herd Podcast with your host Gary Combine and co-host Hold on, you might want to repeat that. Okay. Uh, this wouldn't be a podcast without technical difficulties, yes, would it? Of course. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone everywhere in between. I am a Spectrum D, but you also may also call me Lewis. And we're finally back. I'm gonna keep that in by the way for, because of the awkward silence. It's funny. Yeah, I thought you would. You've got that type of humour. This is a very, very special, because we haven't done this in over a year, and we probably do want to get into the habit of doing it for podcasts more. So we found an excellent topic that we both love and can actually really discuss. We are doing the a retrospective series of podcasts in Doctor Who, starting with the Russell T. Davis era that... We are young minds were exposed to when we were like five years old. Well, you would have been five. I would have been four, and and our young minds would have been blown away by it. Hmm. I think I was first exposed to Doctor Who, of course, through the reboot in two thousand and five. But um, something I loosely want to mention because we might talk about this another time is I was introduced to the classic series through the fifth Doctor when my dad was watching some back so I've known about it for a long time mm. uh, I was introduced to the classic series when I was about seven I felt this channel on TV that had reruns it's why uh, is it is it Web of Terror uh, Web of Fear. Web of it fear. might be Web of Fear. Third Doctor story. I know. Was it? Was it part we? It might be. But that's um, that's that's classic Who. That's a yeah. Different story. The, the that was actually my my first expo. Yeah, it was Charlton. Uh, Web of Fear was actually my exposure to classic Who through reruns. Still, still one of my favorite episode as well okay um so, so I suppose how, might... sorry like oh. back in 2005 how did you actually get exposed to it like in what way did the family uh, friends that type of thing i don't i'm not sure if i remember in all honesty it was most likely through family because my dad grew up watching it mm. um he was a pertwee era lad um, but he'd been watching it, you know, since the classics, so he would be familiar with it, and he would have, you know, he would have got me watching it. Um, I don't recall how, necessarily, I was introduced to it. I just know that I was introduced via the Ninth and Fifth Doctors for both sides. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, I, I mean, I watched it with my... I, I used to watch it with my grandmother, because the first episode that I actually remember, it, it was Christmas uh, 2000, then... I think it might have actually been 2007, because it was the... No, no, it would have been uh, 2000... No, hold on. Uh, 2000... 2005 Christmas special is the one, the secret... Yeah, no, it was the 2006 Christmas special. That's the one I, I vividly remember. Because uh, we, we were set in my grand's house sitting in front of the fire watching it. I, I was lying conjuring. on the rug. 
Yeah, it was. Wait, Death by Tangerine? No, it, that's another Tangerine one. Uh, that the two thousand six one was the one. Uh, the Runaway Bride. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about now. With the was it Ragnos? Uh yeah, the Empress of the Ragnos. Yes. Uh, in specific. Um. Oh God, it. She was. Did she get killed by liquidation or something? No, I can't no, remember no, how she, she actually drowned. Like, no, wait, no, no, because she. Ta wait, did she drown or did she teleport back to her ship and start to? Sh no, she might have drowned. I don't know because I I thought the ship got blown up or something. I know it was. Yeah, because uh, Sax, Saxons, uh, people blew blew it up. Oh yeah, spoilers. A lot. Oh uh, yeah, them. yeah. This, this is gonna have a lot of spoilers. Uh, uh, we we should we should keep the spoilers to their respective seasons. Season, no classic. Who operates in seasons? Modern. Who operates in series? Even though they're basically the same thing, but semantic differences. Yeah, they, they count here. The difference does count. Okay, but... so starting off on one of our points of discussion, this was something you really wanted to talk about. Our favorite tracks from the newer series. So if you'd like to go first, since you. I don't yeah, know. You I'll, connect I'll, more with the music I'll, I'll, than I do. If I if I can get away with, I'll, I'll figure out how to, how we go about implementing it. What I might do is a separate video on my main channel rather than the nerd head. You've of, gone oh, of, there my, go. of my specific favorite tracks. Because you could do the same with yours. Because okay. then it, then it gives us a chance to edit on our own. Uh, but in, in no particular order, uh, Veil vale Deacon. Uh, which is last in the farewell ten. Uh, I am the doctor, which I think that's on everyone's top. Doctor that's like a mutual. Yeah. Uh, series threes, all the strange, strange creatures. That's series a good one. sevens, a good man, and a a tie between uh three tracks. It's really hard. Well, actually, quite a few tracks are tied. But uh, uh, I'll just go for two untied between the rueful fate of Donna Noble, but it, I it's tied for me with uh, the greatest song never told, which is from Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. But we'll, we'll get to that episode when we get to it. What are your favorite tracks? Uh, I was trying. That's just it. I was trying to find. Um, I was trying to look through our Discord messages to see if I could find my list, but I can't seem to find it. Oh, um, I, so I going. Can I can reply to it pretty quickly. But okay. I, go on, call music, and you, you'll see a reply with the letter P. Put. Right. Okay. So. If I can, there we go. So, as my list says, this isn't in a particular order either. These are just the ones I really like. Uh, Doomsday. Doomsday is a really good one. Um, Veil de Sim, because of course. Um, all what, do, I, I am the... Pronounce it? Is it I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never looked it up, and I don't plan to. Fair so, uh, but Veil de Sim... I am the Doctor, of course, and all its variants. I specifically like, um, I think I am the Doctor in Utah and Words Win Wars, uh, my top two favorite versions mm. of that on its own. Unit Rocks. I, I'm going to say it, it's a tad underrated. 
Oh, I love Unit Rocks. I I have it I have it on my Unit fighting music playlist. What, what, with the guitar. When I'm training in Dragon Ball Fighters or Smash Brothers Ultimate, that's one of the songs I have on my playlist when I'm training. Mm. Um, the long song. Uh, is that Rings of Akatosh? Yeah, Akaten, yes. Sorry, Akaten. Uh, Rings that, of Akaten. That, that, that's a good good one. That's my list. Oh boy, that that. This is the thing, Murray Gold is a very good composer. I remember reading a criticism of him as a composer by somebody. It's weird, I've heard several different criticisms related to the music, but I'll go for one that's on the top of my mind, which is I've heard people say Murray Gold uh, over composers. Elaborate. Uh, his music is too busy. I mean,. I I disagree. His music's exactly what it needs to be. It can be sad when it needs to. It can be sorrowful. It can it can be terrifying. It can be exciting. Get the blood pumping. I I don't think it's ever overcomposed. It it's very bombastic. I would say, but that's is that really a criticism? But yeah, well... overcomposed is a real criticism people have of it. I mean, I don't look into music that deeply. Music to me is just is just a sound that can fit a scene. I don't look into I don't really look into messages or, you know, symbolism or you know, I can sure I hear what may be in the song, but I don't I don't make a judgment if it's over or under composed. I just appreciate I appreciate it as music. Yeah. I mean, Murray, so, to be fair, Murray Gold is a great composer. I, I think when he left Doctor Who, that was, well, I mean, season, uh, series 11 onwards up until the recent Flux has a lot of issues. Uh, and Murray Gold leaving, I think, I think he was tired with Doctor Who's music, though, because... Well, it's, it's where we got, got the attention, isn't it? It's... Yeah, but he he had been doing it for what over over a decade. You spend long enough doing something, and people recognize you for it. It's but you grow it's tired, not just I think. Yeah, it it burnout, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I I what what's the new composer? Just as a side tangent. Um, um I don't know. Because is for, for for new guy they have uh. I'm I'm gonna Google his name quickly. Okay, I'll look on my Spotify and see if I have any uh, tracks from the Sagan Akinola. I, I hope oh, I okay. pronounce his name right. Sagan Sagan Akinola. Either I'd way, say in post, maybe in post, um, yeah. put it put a picture in a and a name reference. Yeah, maybe. but his music's. I don't think it's. As good as gold. However, to be fair, in his credit, I think he is getting better. But the thing mm. with, with gold is uh, Murray Gold kind of knocked out the park in, in series one. At least for me. Mm. I mean, I mean, uh, with with series one alone, you you have. Uh, I, to be fair, did Murray Gold? T I think Ron Greener did did the series one theme. Or... Uh, Ron Greener, he did the original theme. Yeah, like the original and, and Murray, 
It's weird, folks. I think he might be credited on the Series 1 soundtrack. But to be fair, it's probably because it's Murray Gold's version renditions and arrangements. Mm. But but you also have Series 1's variant of the Doctor's theme, Westminster Bridge, The Father's Day Suite, uh, Rose Defeats the Daleks, a- and just Rose's theme. I don't remember a lot of the... Um... I'm going to be honest, the music is not something... Of course, the music is something I can appreciate, but it's not It's not normally my main focus, so I don't know all the pieces by name or by heart. So I don't... I'm not going to immediately remember a certain character's theme, should they have one. Yeah, no, that's fair. Oh, you also have holograms. Sorry, I forgot. Holograms are pretty good track. Which one was hologram? Uh, it it okay. Uh, series the series one finale. Uh, we, I won't elaborate on the plot because I think we'll, we'll, I'm guessing we're gonna go through each episode. Um, or, or, or the episodes that that are key for us. Okay, speaking of episodes, I suppose this is another good talking point. Favourite episode? Ooh, what? Of the entirety of Russell T. Davis's era of showrunner? Maybe. Uh, do you mind if I go first? Yeah. Okay. So, nothing I say is ever going to be in a particular order, because, quite frankly, my memory doesn't go that far back, or nor is it that diverse. Um, but the mem- the the ones that stick out to me most would probably be... Oof. Blink... Silence in the library. Um. Oh God, parting of the ways. <clears throat> um. Oh. Uh, the Pandorica opens. Oh, that—that's Moffat era. Oh, that's Moffat era. Okay, so right, so ninth and tenth. I completely forgot that. I'm an idiot. Don't worry. Um. Ooh. I've really got a thing here, haven't I? Blink, Parting of the Ways. Rose, of course, that was the start of it all. Um, oh. What was that episode where um, where Davros wanted to detonate a reality bomb? I can't remember what the name of that one was. Ooh, big spoilers. Um, That's Series 4's finale. Um... Uh, it's all right. If any if anyone wants to understand, they can just watch the show back like you did. Ah, uh, hold on. I should know this. I I should know this. You've been binging. Prove your knowledge. I, I have been binging. Oh, I haven't got to series four though. That's the thing. Just uh, oh. Gary. Oh, uh, it's because it's it's the finale. Um. Ah. Uh, oh, <laughs> These are the noises of, of a man in pain. Uh, the stolen um, earth and turn... Uh, not, no, turn left came before the stolen earth. Because turn left feeds into the stolen earth. Sorry. Wait, that, sto- was, that was the, the stolen, stolen earth, wasn't yeah. it? There's a two-part of the stolen earth and... Ah, uh, journey's end. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, I was having a drink. I couldn't make any audible noise. Um... I suppose you also mentioned before we started recording, um, 
this isn't this doesn't just cover the main series. There are also a couple spin-offs. Ooh. As well. Are we gonna get some of your favorite Sarah Jane adventures in Torchwood episodes? I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember. I rem- don't remember much about Torchwood because it's not something I've watched back. And Sarah Jane adventures, even least. I torch Torchwood was less because it, it was for, it was uh, for, for adults, wasn't it? But I was yes, it was because uh, because, because uh, I watched Doctor with my gram because my mother doesn't really like it, so I watched it with my grandparents. My my grandparents let me watch Torchwood. That being uh, the said, I... I, I, do you remember, uh, did you watch the uh, Children of Earth? Children of Earth. I think I did. Yeah, I, I, I remember watching it with my grandparents when it came out, and well, I was young, but I was I was old enough to be thoroughly disappointed. Oh no, excuse me. Ooh. Um, okay, let's see, Torchwood. I don't remember, again, I don't remember a lot about either of these, but the idea, thinking back, of having someone to help the Earth out when the Doctor's off-world is cool. Yeah. Because it's like, like we got a side series for... Yeah. they, They both came out... Did they, they both came out in 2007, didn't they? With, alongside Series 3. Because um, Torchwood, ascent, Torchwood carried on from Series 2. Because Series 2 basically uh, set up the uh, foundations for, for Torchwood, right? Yeah, because, uh, oh, what was it? Wait, it was Liz, Liz 1, wasn't it? Queen Elizabeth I. She founded the. She no wait. Was it? It wasn't Elizabeth the no, first. It no, was Vi- Queen Victoria. Yes, Queen, Queen Victoria. Victoria. She founded Torchwood. Oh no! As a means came out in uh, two thousand six. Like Sarah Jane Adventures definitely came out in two thousand seven. Queen Victoria. Can we just appreciate this? Queen Victoria founded Torchwood as a means to protect the Earth. No, against no, people not like, not not the earth, no, but no. Tor- Torchwood Queen Queen Victoria established Torchwood within the Torchwood estate. After ah. we we should definitely go through through each season. We, like we're we're gonna have to talk about each season as we go through. But she founded it specifically for Britain mm. as a defense against beings like the Doctor, only for them to become one of his greatest ally t- uh, ally- assets, rather. Yes, the, the irony does not miss. And oh, how the turntables. Oh, that, oh boy, so that reminds me, we should actually start talking about episodes, so we should talk about Christopher Eccleston's first and last season, series one. Ah... Uh... So, Short-lived doctors. What's your thoughts on Eccleston before we actually start talking about the episodes? Right. Um, brutal honesty here. When I think of incarnations of the Doctor, nine is not one of the ones that come to mind. You know, of course, you've got ten and eleven that are two. You know, they they're doctors that really made the series big again. Oh, jeez! You know how to stab at my four-year-old heart. And I'll do it again. Um, but let's see. I'd I'd have to rewatch Eccleston season, but I don't know. I the 
the only instance of Eccleston I remember off by heart is actually his appearance in Rose, because that was the because um in in the UK there's a TV channel called W, literally just the letter W, and one of the things that they do damn near all the time is they just rerun New Who. From Eccleston to I mean I've known them to go to Smith, but I don't know if they go to um I didn't uh, know the channel existed. What? Oh yeah, we've got it on um we use Sky, no plug. <clears throat> uh but no, all all the thing one of the few things they do consistently is rerun New Who. And the last thing I saw on it was Rose, the Auton comeback. Okay. And their nesting consciousness. See, that, that was a stroke of genius. Starting classic... Sorry, new... Modern? Sorry, starting modern new, new, new in big quotations because it's, like, been two decades since it actually started. Mm-hmm. So, so starting modern who with, with the Autons, a, a classic who enemy, that, that was a good idea because then you, you bridge into the old fans whilst introducing this to, to the, the, you know, potential new fans. Uh, mm. I mean, for me, Eccleston's, if if I may take his catchphrase, Eccleston is absolutely fantastic. I mean, he, he, he brings a lot to the role, I think, at least for an introdu- reintroduction to the character. He, he brings all the energy that comes with having lost one's home and being the last of their race from, well, the time war that, that Russell T. Davis made. Yeah, because until um until Day of the Doctor, or Night of the Doctor as well, Nine was the bridge between... Uh, Nine was the bridge from the classic series, or, or the movie, uh, to the modern series. Again, this was before um the you know the fiftieth anniversary time was rolling around and things changed a little. I actually weirdly have a complaint about Dear the Doctor, but that's for the Moffat era. But it does involve the War Doctor because right, as a side like this is a very brief thing, but I would have actually preferred Eccleston to have been the War Doctor. Interesting. Or 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 Paul McGann. Mc- Mc- uh, Paul McGann. Paul McGann. He even, certainly even, looks like he came from one, or at least during yeah, Night of the Doctor. I think it would have been better to to have had him, because then it really does add... No, because to be fair, Rose implies he recently regenerated. So we should actually talk about episodes now. So we okay. can begin with Rose, and I, I can explain. So do, do you remember in Rose... You can tell he's recently regenerated because he doesn't actually know what he looks like. He was looking at his ears. Yeah, because it shows that the regeneration was, at least from my own understanding, I think it very much was a recent regeneration for him. Hmm. It was like, um... He didn't seem best pleased with it. It's like Seven said, he drew the short plank. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, I can remember some. With Rose, what, it, it's the opening, well, it, it, it's one of the most, mem- I mean, Russell T. Davis did it in, what, 
six or all three seasons did he do it in series four you know for zooming in from from space to, to uh, state in london hmm i'm trying to remember because my knowledge my knowledge again a lot of my knowledge doesn't it doesn't go that far back because i haven't I've I've not thought to revisit it like you did. Um, I mean, I'm my memory remember... also just extremely good. Well, yeah, your memory's just better as well. Um, it was in. I do remember how they didn't immediately try to focus on the Doctor. They focused on Rose first, yeah. and then give it maybe I don't know two or three minutes. Then they brought Nine in. Mm. Like, crap had to hit the fan yeah. before the Doctor actually turned up. That whole first episode, it is very much definitely from Rose's point of view. She She's mm. the protagonist. The Doctor's the, uh, the second protagonist. He, he like, mm. I think, really, the Doctor becomes the protagonist really around series three. I think I I I, I thoroughly believe Rose is more the protagonist in the f first two series than the actual Doctor. Or at least no series two. I think it's more you know joint between them. But series one, Rose is definitely the protag. But, but okay, so it, it's it's a wonderful opening. You you get. You have this camera orbiting a, a 2005 CGI space. Don't let the age put you off. It's well worth watching. And the camera just zooms all the way into the power estate. And you have a Rosa wakes up and then she's rushing to work. You, and you see the music. Yeah. It's Wait, that what's that one called? Because I've got it playing in my head now. That, that, that's the one I was talking that, about. Rose, that's Rose. That's, that... that's uh, Westminster Bridge. Oh, that's dun, what it's actually dun, called. Dun, okay, dun, yeah, that's dun, the one that dun, just come to my mind dun, after dun, I've got the middle image. It's a great from from the I think it's a bass. I don't know. To be, it could be a guitar. I, I'm not, I'm not too sure. With with the techno and then the trumpets, but but you see this normal average life you see rose you know again getting chips with, with her boyfriend mickey then going to work and then the music just cuts when when, when after she goes down the elevator and, and she's mm. in the basement of the shop she works at and and the, the, the tension's great well, I, I forgot the name. Do you, do you remember? Do you do you are you autistic enough to remember the name of the guy she was looking for? The technician was it the technician or the manager? Um, I know who you're talking about, but I oh let me let me think. Um, because uh, it, it it's just hmm. it's for bit with the doctor. So so basically, the autons attack her, and the doc and this is the scene that everyone remembers, even if you don't remember what happens afterwards. You got you remember this scene vividly. You you see the Autons encroaching on Rose, backing her up against the wall, and the Doctor walks in, takes her hand, and just says, "Run, run." 
And then there's the classic, nice to meet you, Rose, run for your life, holds a stick of dynamite, holds several sticks of dynamite in his hand. Yes. But it's, from, it's the thing he says about the manager, where it's like, oh yeah, that guy, he's dead now. <laughs> it's just he just doesn't a... care. No, he, he just wants, wants shop to go boom boom. Oh. Uh. It, it's for, it's for build-up to the Doctor as well, because after this point, the, the Doctor meet, meets her in her apartment, which leads to uh, the, the Jackie Doctor scene. There's a Hold strange, on, then. You remember the voice. There's a stranger in my bedroom. I'm wearing my dressing gown. Anything could happen. Oh, yeah, sorry, Jackie Tyler. Yes. Oh. Yes, oh. yes. And then he's like, no. She was fine with nine, nothing but contempt for ten. No, she had contempt for nine as well, because it's after this point. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah she you, got used you to remember. it. Uh, but, but, so, so the doctor take, retrieves a... So in the actual shop, he gives Rose one of the plastic hands. She takes it home, bends it, but then the hand escapes, gets through the cat fight, and, and the doctor take, retrieves it. Zahando. Yes. And, and then, then he leaves Rose again, and we get... Hold on, you know, um, it, it's the... Ah, uh, uh, what, what would you call the scene? Because... It... Do you know what the scene <clears throat> I'm talking about? Uh, the what? The, um, the hand attacking the doctor scene? No, no, a little no. bit later. They're walking later. through... Uh... The power state and Rose wants to know who for Doctor. Oh, yeah, he, he is. just walks. He just walks off. He just walks off to the not so distant TARDIS, doesn't he? Yeah, but it, it's a little bit before that. It's the oh, I would argue it's a monologue. Uh, where, where for Rose asks who he is, and he he. Oh, I I I've actually. Oh yeah, when does that? Do, oh. do you know, like we were saying. About the Earth revolving, it's like when you're a kid. The first time they tell you that the world is turning, and you just can't quite believe it because everything looks like it's standing still. I can feel it. The Doctor then took Rose's hand in the scene, and, and then he says, "The turn of the Earth, the ground beneath our feet spinning at thousand, a thousand miles an hour, the entire planet." It's hurtling towards the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space. You and me. Clinging to the skin of this tiny world. And if we let go... That's who I am. Now forget me, Rose Tyler. Go home. It's, it's, it's such a good scene. And those are the words of a man who has seen some things. Yeah, this... this... I mean, what, what's echo so if absolutely fantastic is his main catchphrase, but is it fair to argue his second main catchphrase is stinking apes, stupid little apes? When does he, when did he say that? He, he constantly calls humans stupid apes. But that was the Silurian thing. Oh no, series one, rewatch it, Eccleston says stupid apes a lot. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, is it is the doctor racist to humans? <laughs> At least Eccleston. 
Uh, after this point, if, if we're, we're going for recap, uh, you know for a bit. Do you, you want to descri- describe the shed scene? I the wanna, shed? Yeah, I want to see on. how well you remember the scene. Hold on, the shed. Oh, no, I don't... Hold on. Is this, this is still Rose, isn't it? Yeah. Right, let me think. Her and Mickey go to the dude's house. Is that where Mickey gets eaten by a bin? Yeah! Oh, I love the he, bin. It's it's so by, he, get, gets, he gets almost consumed by a recycle bin and replaced by an autumn. The bin burps as well. Regurgitation, one level. It's the bit in the shed where... where uh, I forgot the name of the conspiracy guy. Well, he's not really a conspiracy guy because everything he's saying is true to some degree. What's his name? Is it Mike or something? I could be wrong. Clive? Clive, that's it. Maybe. It, it was Clive. It was, yes, it was Clive. Because yeah. he, had his na- he had his name up on uh, social media boards. Yes. And he, he just tells the dot Rose that uh, if, you know, the dot... Wherever the doctor goes, death follows. Where whenever disaster comes, he's there. Yeah, that that's a good scene. It, it it's weird though because it it at least with the ninth doctor, so he he stopped his family going on the Titanic, and the the other one was uh, he was at the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> oh no! Why are you doing that, doctor? Now. It's such a good scene, right? Right, let me think. Um, it, it's one of the ones that sticks... It's certainly one of the ones that sticks out, like, based on my loose knowledge of um, Series 1. Oh, we should, I, we should have definitely got you to re-watch this. T- tell you what, we'll, we'll, save, we'll save the... Uh, like, just as a side thing again. We'll, we'll save the Moffat one for after you've re-watched Moffat. Okay, so we've covered. We're splitting Moth into two. So we've covered Rose. What was next? Oh, I I don't think we should go through them in order. I think we should just go with standout ones. So for next, okay, really, really standout episode, at least in my opinion, it is. uh, What's the Cassandra one? Oh, that's for, for End of the World. I don't think End of World's actually that standout. I, I never liked Cassandra as a villain. I don't know. I just remember that because I remember you typing bitchy trampoline in our Discord DMs. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a real line. Bitchy tram- tr- trampoline. I, I don't like see. I don't remember type. there being use of, of profanities in the series because it's been made to be more of a, you know, a... A, se- a pseudo family friendly sort of series. I do not remember how rand, like horny, Doctor Who is. It's like it's a family show. It's for all ages, so it has a little bit of something for everyone. I mean, it's it's series two when Cassandra takes the Doctor's body and she's like, "Oh, this is Foxine," <laughs> and then she's like, she says to us, "Oh, you've been looking." <laughs> God, now I've just. Now you've said that in an imitation of Cassandra's voice, it just brings up when the Doctor was shirtless on Henry Van Staten's scanning board. Oh yeah, that that 
Right, that leads to the next standout. Yep. The next actual really great episode. Oh, that was a good segue, wasn't it? Series one. Dalek. Ah, yes. Just, just Daleks. Episode six. One of the most phenomenal episodes. I, I, like, personally, I think it is the best. Well, not the best, but I think it's close to one of the best Dalek-related episodes of Doctor Who of all time. Ooh. It's, okay. Do, do you want to explain it? Because you, um, you should, you should hmm. remember this one. I remember bits of it. I remember, let's see, Eccentric Billionaire buys a bunch of alien uh, artifacts and things. Uh, wants to put the Doctor in his collection, like, presumably, you know, end his lives. Mm. Um, oh god, imagine how, imagine how he'd be if he knew the Doctor regenerated. Like, how he was when he found out he had two hearts. Mm. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, and Suicidal Dalek. I, I think it's for build-up, right? Like, the, the whole episode... Has this great feeling. I mean, really, the first ama- really standout amazing scene is when the Doctor meets it. Yeah, because he, he... He actually tries to kill it. And, he go, and they both they both start... Was it? They both start conversing about the idea of them being the last of their people, isn't it? Don't they? Yeah. It's very... Odd. Not odd. Uh, chilling. Because cause for Dalek, I think, even in this scene, and when the late scene when Rose meets the Dalek, I think the Dalek is sad on some level, and it is in pain. The Doctor's not, though. For the Doc, this, this is what I mean by I think Eccleston was fantastic. It's for pure hatred in his voice. When talking to the Dalek, he was beating it, wasn't he? Or is that? Am I thinking of something else? No, he he was using the electric stuff to try and shock it to death. Oh, I thought he was hitting it with something. I must be remembering something else. Uh, and ah, uh, it's just—it's a very, very good moment. I mean, just it—it it is very good. I guess it was an electrifying experience. Oh, oh boy, that that was a that was a good pun. Yeah, truly shocking. Th- th- this is the interesting thing because Eccle- this is the weird thing. Eccleston, Eccleston seems to actually like guns because the Doctor has this whole no guns rule, but I that only really comes about with Pennant. Eccleston, he he's very very willing to kill the Dalek. Well, when you consider look, when you consider lore that was added later, with you know, loose, I'm going to loosely mention the War Doctor here. When you consider that 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 of which was added, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it it really does make sense. But even then, it's just it, it's very good, and, and it is the final scene because the doc. In a later scene in the same room, Rose meets the Dalek. She doesn't oh, yeah. know what a Dalek is. 
Which leads to a very interesting moment where the Dalek very much fills the line. She touches it, it rejuvenates and it escapes. And this, the episode does capture the fear of running from a Dalek as well. Everyone's terrified and they, they have to lock up the base because everyone knows if the Dalek gets out, that one Dalek could take out the entire human race. And the interesting part, the and the interesting part was, um, I think it was that episode. I don't know if any of the classics did it, but one of the few weaknesses of the Daleks until that point was elevated points without a ramp. That you know, stairs. When it hovered, that was it. It's also one. It plays the Dalek theme when it hovers as well. Like, first it was satellite dishes on their... First it was static electricity. They had satellite dishes on their back. They got over it. Then it was stairs. They can fly now. They've got over that. I can't remember. I don't think that was the first time a Dalek flew. I think Daleks could get up stairs in Classic Who. Which Doctor was it, though? I don't recall seeing such an event. I don't know, maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking, you know, a little too far back, because I'm thinking of, you know, first or second Doctor, where I they had to rely on Dalek with so- Daleks with Sylvester McCoy. I, th- I think it was that, actually. What, remembrance of the Daleks? Yes, uh, McCoy, so the seventh Doctor, uh, 80s. And to be fair, it's the, I, yeah, it would make sense, because the- you could, you, I, yeah, yeah, it would have been. Sorry. De- definitely McCoy. That's when a Dalek first fl- flew. Hmm. Anyway, going going back into uh into Dalek. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else is there to point out about this one? Of course, when the Dalek went boom, but that's pretty obvious. Um. You see. would make a good Dalek. Oh, yeah. Yes. Especially seeing as you pointed out all the hate, you know, all the hatred and all the negative emotions Nine had. If there's, there's he another, wasn't. There's another bit with that scene, though, that... It's weird. It's one of the sprinklers come on, but it does seem... It does remind you of when, when it's raining, I, I find. How do you mean... Well, you, you you see the water hitting the Dalek. It, it's it's like it. I don't know. Water hitting stuff just makes scenes a little bit sadder. I find. Okay. Uh, let's see. Actually, what happened to Henry Van Staten in that one? Because I don't recall right. what happened. So, do you remember the blonde lady? Uh, the one that isn't Rose. Yeah, the American one. Um, I so, so, don't okay. actually. This, this is what we call uh, foreshadowing. So it, at the start of the episode, Henry Van Satten sent, you know, that, there's, there's that guy that doesn't, he, he doesn't like. He, uh, he has the guy's memory wiped and dumped on the street somewhere. She does the same to Henry Van Satten at the end. A, 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 oh. a, a full circle, if you will. Ah, okay. 
and then the whole complex gets filled with concrete. Ooh. Next stand. See, thing is, series series one, I actually think has a lot of good episodes. It's the most consistently good, if you will. I think the weakest episodes are the end of the world and the unquiet dead with Charles Dickens. Uh, and, yeah. and the Slovene two-parter, you know, uh, Aliens of London and World War Three. Hmm. Yeah, I remember. I think I remember now. After Dalek, we have the Long Game, which that was Satellite Five, wasn't it? The first one, Satellite. Okay, I'll be honest. The Long Game's also a little bit meh. I I will admit. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Father's Day till till the end of the series. That's when it's just consistent. Father's Day is easily one of the highlights of season one, where Rose meets her father. Yeah, but the but she, as consequence for her saving her dad, the whole place sort of gets. I'm not. I'm not going to say sealed necessarily, but it's. I don't know the t- the cars always looping round in like a. It's because it's because uh, her saving her father. It's not just a it's, saving... it's like a fixed point, isn't it? No, she creates a paradox, right? So do you remember the Doctor's ultimate rule, which is you you can't ever cross over on your own timeline. Ah, which they Ex- except for a cheap trick, i.e., for t- for going back in time to take his tie off in front of Martha to prove that time travel exists. That's a cheap trick. Rose broke broke that rule because remember she she already failed. They they went back in time once, and she Rose, failed. She, yeah, she couldn't walk over to her dad. But then the second time they travel, Rose literally walks out right in front of the past version of herself, and they disappear when she does so. Yeah, and and she saves her father, so it's like mega paradox. God, I'm trying to remember what those villains were called now. I don't know what um, call them. I, I just call them the white blood soul aliens. Because they... No, no, because they were more like uh, parasites, weren't they? they? They fed off paradoxes. I was going to say Krillitanes, but no, that's something different. That was School Reunion. Yes, that, that was. That was a 10th Doctor story. Um... Uh... I don't know if they had a name. Oh, the Reapers? I think they were called the Reapers, actually. I, I think Reapers, yeah. I don't know. We can look We can look it up after recording just to see. No, I, I think it is Reaper. So, the Reapers start eating everything. That That's funny. And, and there's the... Uh... Oh, that, that leads... Rose imprints on Mickey as well, doesn't she? Like the Imp- young Mickey. Yeah, because he keeps trying to hug her. You know, Mickey is a child. I don't recall. I don't recall seeing. Oh anything. yeah, we haven't. Act- we haven't really said anything on Mickey Smith, but there's not much to say with Mickey Smith until season two. No, so. For, for he was that- a ha- he was a hacker man. Yes, a good one. A two thousands hacker boy. He was a good one. Yes, 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 he was. And on, and on the laptops at that time is especially impressive because I don't know, I don't think you should even be able to run that. 
for the next seven episodes it is uh, The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances, which... Mm. Sorry, Dances. Oh, that that's... That changed how anyone looked at a gas mask. Are you my mummy? Mummy. No. Mummy. No, like, ah, yeah. that was uh, Moffat's first two-parter as well. This is the thing. Moffat, in terms of, because Moffat wrote uh, several episodes across the Russell T. Davis era, and every episode he wrote was gold. That was set during the London Blitz, wasn't it? Yes. The next episode's really good as well, because I didn't like the Slivings debut, but I love Boomtown. Boomtown, which one was that? So you know the Slivine lady? She becomes the uh, mayor of uh, Cardiff in, mm. in Wales. And remember, she tries to build a nuclear power that can... Uh, along the uh, temporal fault flame. That oh yeah, that's where, the, is that where the... Tar- that's where the TARDIS fuels, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's also really cool because it ties to the Unquiet Dead. Because the girl of the Unquiet Dead obviously dies with with the weird gas aliens coming from the rift. But the gas aliens are defeated, but the rift is actually still there. So yeah, the TARDIS can use the rift as a uh, as a point to refill itself, like a pet. Always forget that the TARDIS needs to refuel. Yeah, temporal time energy. Like- They've they've never used I don't recall if they've used that concept again since ten. They haven't, sadly. Which means we we won't get the funniness of the funny scene. But yep. So Boomtown is pretty good for one reason. It really does test whether the doctor's a killer or not. Because uh, the Slovene if I recall, uh, the Slovene family what were tried whilst uh, they were away from Raxacora Fallopatorius. Hey, you got it right. Yes. So, the courts of Raxacorius Raxacorico Fallopatorius. Raxacorius Fallopatorius. So, so, the Slovene family are tried. So, basically... As soon as they step foot home, they'll, you know, be executed because they were already tried for their crimes. So she goes home, it's a death sentence. And this does test, at least for me, it really does test the Doctor's worth as a moral character. Because obviously, at least, like, in real context, we don't believe in the death penalty in Britain, do we? We haven't since the 1970s. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't know if that was a rhetorical that, question. I was, I thought that was just part of your statement. I, oh, sorry. No, no, so we haven't had it since the 70s. So, generally speaking, in the public eye, we think we find the death penalty to be... Well, hopefully, most people do find it wrong. I, I, I'd like to think, anyway. But, so, so the Doctor kind of... He, he embodies what we consider to be good as well. So, you know, does a good man take take a lady to be executed? As mm. in, well, as in, you know, will will he take her home to be executed? 
it has a nice ending too, because she get the the uh the the heart of the TARDIS reverts her to an egg. To a to a what? Do you remember the end where? Oh, yes. Hold on. Because he gets her to look in the heart of the TARDIS. TARDIS TARDIS, and it re and it re reverts her into a uh, egg. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even know that was where Savini even came from. Yeah, the the rag creatures. I n I never knew that actually. I don't. Huh. Boy, well, I never remembered. Rather, I'm sure I saw the part, but I never remembered that. After the more you, boom, the more you learn. We enter the series one finale. Parting of the ways. Oh no, bad wolf. Bad wolf. Bad wolf. Oh. Then parting of the ways. And Bad Wolf, it kicks off very good. It just has the Doctor wake up on the floor with the Big Brother theme playing. And see, this is the thing. If any alphas are watching this, because me, me and A Spectrum D here, we're Zoomers. You right? can use my real name if you wish. Fair enough, Lewis. So me and, me and Lewis, are, we're in a very weird generational point, because... Mm -hmm. But our par what was cult is culturally relevant for us is kind of culturally relevant for our parents as well because, well, we grew up a lot with a lot of reruns of different shows and the likes and all sorts. But there was there was this TV series in the two thousands that, again, if you're if you're an alpha, you probably won't even understand how big it was. But it was a show called Big Brother, and. Oh, it, sorry, I'm bringing it up for a specific reason. It, it's Russell T. Davis's subversion of it. But, because usually a person gets evicted, but in this rendition, uh, you get vape, well, vape phrased in massive quotations. It's like a, a sadistic, a sadistic take. Yeah. On elimination. But, but it, it's just the opening, because it, it's not just he wakes up on the floor and the music's blaring, is it? it, it the, the camera's spinning around, adding to the confusion. It's it's great. One thing, how many shows did they, did they only have Big Brother, or did they? No, they, had, a, they had another one that used to be quite I, I big as well. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. I wondered if that was one they'd included or not. They had an actual Doctor Who weakest link and Anne yes. Robinson coming from the back and pulling the plug on Android. <laughs> oh, that's that's beautiful. We need an image of that up. Oh, it's, a, it's a literal pun, an Android. It's great. It's actually great. Uh... And, and, and you have a guy who's really scummy as well, but... but... The guy she's competing against, and he said he says to Rose, "Oh, I'm tactically voting because you're an idiot, so I'll win and make all the money in your day." And it's he just oh. he revels in his you know awfulness as a human being. It's it's kind of funny. What was the name of the guy that ended up getting the weird brain thing installed in his head? Danny. I don't remember what his name but name was, but the whole premise was he went through a procedure of some sort oh, that, that was supposed that's the long to. Game, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. 
But that that was I remember his mother's reaction to that though. That was gold. And then and then nine nine screws with him as well. I can't remember. Oh yeah, because nine kept clicking his fingers when they took him home. Nine kept clicking his fingers. That was how you that was how you opened the strange I don't know, crevice, if you will, in your head as you snap your fingers and this weird opening sort of forms made out of small metal blades. Um uh, it sort of opens up like um oh, this is an old reference. Adam. Yeah, but um it's sort of like this is an old reference going off a bit. But there was an old stop motion TV series um called I think it was it was either Camberwick Green Trumpton or Chigley. And at the beginning of one of those series, every episode, you'd have this strange music box thing that opened up with four slits. Hmm. It kind of it kind of looks like that. But you, you can see a bit you can see a little bit of his brain through it and it's strange. But Nine just kept messing with it and it was amusing. Nine hated him for it. He actually hated Adam for getting the surgery. Yeah. At least he would. At least he regurgitates in cubes now. Hmm. Minecraft sick. No, so Bad Wolf ends on a on a really good cliffhanger as well. So the Doctor breaks into the weakest link bit to save Rose, but Rose gets vaporized. And you, 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 it it it's a very well done. Because the room's very dark, but, the, the, you know, there's a little bit of light that really does highlight the characters. And the Doctor just drops to his knees. And the, and the music, the intensity of the music increases. The, the you know, the audio of the other characters kind of dulls out. You can, you can kind of hear it. And the Doctor just gets arrested. It's very... It's great, and th then he goes to floor five hundred again. This is the second oh, time he's yeah. done it, and he does. He just barges in to find out, you know, who who's running the game, sh the game st station size, and then he lands. It's the Daleks, and and I thought it wasn't. Oh wait, they, I thought it was the Jagrafest, but then I realized no wait, the Jagrafest was under the Daleks' control. No, no, the Jagrafest was, uh... Or was that it? No, no, that was for long game. The drag That was the long game as well. I'm thinking too much of the long game than anything else. I don't know why. That bad wolf, the Daleks, were the ones in charge. Right. And, and yeah, just... It's for Doctor saying he's gonna save Rose. And then he's... And this is, again, where you hear that real hatred in Eggleston's voice. He says he's gonna blow every stinking Dalek out of the sky. And that was it. Um, one of the Daleks says to him, "You've got, you've got no plan. You've got nothing." Nine's response is, "Yeah." And doesn't that scare you to death? Ah, mm. oh, Nine's it... great. Now that and now that I'm remembering all of his lines, Nine, Nine's a little off the wall. Yeah, because remember this. This is the doctor. He has he has come from a he has come from a mind numbing war, and you know, a rather scarring series of events. But I mean, a lot of the aliens. Well, not a lot of them, but some of them are actually results of a time war. Remember the gas aliens from Beyond Quite. 
dead. I, I, I'm pretty sure they, they, they were for a result of the time war, them being gaseous rather than physical beings. Uh, the, uh, was, was that it? Oh yeah, no, the Autons as well, because the Auton home world got destroyed in the time war. That's why they were trying to terraform Earth. Well, not he terraform, but conquer. Oh, he ended that quickly too. Yeah, he 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 did. Great. So Bad Wolf ends, and then we enter the Parson of the Ways, and the Doctor keeps up in his friends. He goes to save Rose, and we meet the Emperor of the Daleks. Now, the Dalek Emperor was a thing in Classic Who as well, and it, mm. it's a, it's a very interesting thing. He always looked. It always looked so different every time. You had the you had the one in the black and white days where it, where there were so many you know cylindrical pieces to it. It it only vaguely looked like a Dalek. Then you go into say the oh god, it was the uh Sylvester. Well, Sylvester McCoy is the next one I can remember. Uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, and it was just Davros with a massive dome on top of his. Uh, traveling his uh mobile unit, and the, then you go into the, the modern golden one, wasn't it? Yeah, the um, I think they were the Imperial Daleks. Yeah, um, you, you had two factions, which is crazy to think. Imperials about. and Renegades. Oh no, sorry, the gold, um, the gold ones from the comics. Sorry. Is it? oh, but yeah, then you've yeah, got the Imperial the... ones were white with gold highlights. Hmm. And then you've got the um. You've got the one that Gary's talking about, which is massive, like really, really big. Um, and I, could, I, oh no, I'm, I was thinking of the Dalek Supreme, not the Dalek Emperor. I think that's. Hold on, I think Canon that's canonically, there, there is one more. Which one's that? Um, the uh, City of Dot Who Adventure Games Episode One. Yeah, that was the one based on the been... um, Paradigm Daleks, yes. wasn't it? I, I forgot. Actually, I really. I want to play those. Design. I want to play those again, but you can't get them on Steam. Sadly, I'll, I'll figure like, there's, out. There's so few available Doctor Who I games now. Figure out a way to get them, and if I can get hold of them, I'll give you the files. Just, just as a random thing. But this. It's only now that I realise there are so few available Doctor Who games now. There's Evacuation Earth on... There's a lot of VR ones now, which is crap. Yeah, there's The Edge of Time, there's Evacuation Earth, there's Return to Earth. There were five adventure games, which aren't available now, unfortunately. Um, I don't know if the Doctor Who content for LEGO Dimensions counts. I don't think so, because it was a joint effort. Um, the Eternity Clock on PS3, which I also want to play. I think the Eternity it looks... Clock is like the adventure games, as in, I think it might be canon. But it it was supposed to be a multi-parter, but they, they never got, they I never continued. I don't think it sold, sold well enough. Which is a shame, because... It's that's pretty a, good. That was interesting. I want to play it. Plus, you could play as River Song. But, um, should we move on... We haven't discussed the real meat of the Emperor of the Daleks, which is okay. the Daleks are insane. Well, yeah. The Emperor literally developed a god complex. So basically, this is a... The Emperor survived the, the Time War, 
and went off to Earth and started harvesting the dead. To make more Daleks, yes. Daleks that are... that hate their own existence, because deep down, they know they have human in them. Which means they're not pure Daleks. So all these Daleks seem literally insane. They, They even have the concept of blasphemy. Because they think the emperor is a god, and and it's great. And then then if if we skip through because we we can't really talk about the whole episode. It's just the ending where where basically the doctor sends Rose back in time, and she comes back after a, a, like literally absorbing the heart of the time vortex. Right? I think she got um she got Mickey and Jackie to tear one of the panels up just so that yep. she could open it. And uh, so. She she's absorbed after doing doing it. She she absorbs the heart of the TARDIS, and throughout in the entirety of series one, you see the word you see and hear the words "bad wolf" everywhere. Mm, and then it's an it turn, turns out that the bad that there's a corporation called the Bad Wolf Corporation. They're the ones that the Dalek, Daleks are in control of, and Ro- Rose sends those words throughout time. She she becomes an entity we now know as the Bad Wolf, and and quite literally she she, it's funny because the, the Dalek Emperor says to her, "Oh, I am a god," and she says, "You are small," and she just wipes out the Daleks, and she, oh, we didn't talk about a character. So so in the gas mask episode, we're introduced to uh, Captain Jack Harkness. Ah, yes, the lad. Yes. So Captain Jack travels with them for the rest of the season, and he, he the Daleks kill him, but Rose brings him back. Now, we're, we're going to leave it at that for now, because that leads to a good reveal. So, the Doctor, the doctor kisses Rose for the first time, so this really does cement them as a couple, right? Were they really dating? I thought he did yeah, that. Yeah, they was, were a couple. Because it was the I thought it I thought it was because it was the only way to get no, because you know, they, had been, they, they had been growing closer before that. I think Boomtown cemented that the kiss cemented it, but Boomtown was the one that really showed that yes, that Rose is in love with the Doctor and not Mickey anymore. Because remember, to be fair, Mickey was dating someone else. Anyway, at that point, I forgot who because we literally never see the character he was talking about. Ah. It's just, uh, but, but, so so nobody's supposed to have the heart, you know, the heart of the time vortex, right? Mm. And, and it leads to the dot, our, our first regeneration. See, this is the thing. Eccleston was great, but it it really does work with this series one being his last series as well as his first because right from the get go of modern who we're introduced to regeneration again and it it's it's a good farewell to Eccleston. he 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 tells rose she was fantastic but then he like, the Doctor has a big ego. Like, oh, every yeah. incarnation does. And he, he just says, 
After saying she was good, he said he turned he he then says, and you know what, Rose? I was So was I. Yeah, so was I. Oh my god, you remembered for line. I forgot for line. Haha. You you win this round. The, the A in my name stands for something and you know what it is. Yes, autism. You 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 autismo. Bow down to my superior Asperger's. <laughs> oh no. Yes, I am superior. Nah, there, there's no superiority. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally the one holding a burger. At least going by our by our avatars. Yeah. Big. So nine has re- nine is regenerating or has regenerated by this point. Yes, we we enter series two with with David Tennant. This is where this is. He was one of the re- he was one of the real fan favorites. Oh yeah, without question, Tennant's a fan favorite. Really, I think because we spent a lot of time talking about series one. Really, we should pick out our favorite episodes from each series. So, and discuss them. I think just save time. Okay. So, series two. What is your favorite episode or two parter? Right, series two. I don't. I can't remember what exactly was in series two. Okay, but so, so series two as a as a rundown. You have New Earth, Tooth and Claw, mm-hmm. School Reunion, The Girl in the Fireplace, Rise of the mm. Cybermen, and The Age of Steel, The Idiot's right. Lantern, The Impossible Planet, and The Satan Pit, Love and mm. Monsters, Fear Her, The Army of Ghosts, and Doomsday. Okay. I don't know if I'd say this is a favourite, because I haven't seen it in ages, oh, but one that really Christmas stuck Saturday. out to me, one that really stuck out to me, because it was just so weird. It was Fear Her. Ooh, elaborate. Okay, so a brief synopsis of the episode. You know, uh, let's briefly get out of the way. The f- funny how the Doctor misparks the TARDIS and he has to dematerialize just to turn it around. That's gold. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> He got it stuck between two portaloos, I think, or he got it stuck between two buildings or something, but it, yeah. he had to turn it around. Um, but the idea is there is this strange child who lives on a street in London, and this is during one of the Olympics. This was probably the Beijing Olymp- ones. No, no, because no, it was the 2012 Olympics, because they went, they went into the year 2012. So this was when we were hosting. Oh, this was London, right. Yeah, it was uh, London before it actually happened in real life. But um, there's a strange child living on a street in London, and the idea is that when she draws something on a piece of paper, it dis- if it exists in real life, or if it exists in the real in real in the plane of real life, then if she draws it, it moves, or it or even even in some cases, it can manifest in real life as well. It really all depends on the part of the episode, but it's just so strange like bring that's bringing art to life in a whole new level mm. what about you gary any uh, uh yeah, highlights for you because uh she she was she was uh was, it was a paras not parasite symbiote thing living inside of her and then the doctor sends him off through the uh, torch doesn't he just to be clear we're not talking about venom this is something different yes 
The Do Doctor Who has never had crossovers in the TV series outside of its own universe. Just to be clear. Okay, so I think the highlight series two for me, I I wanna say for Girl in the Fireplace to stroke Moffat's ego because I actually do like Moffat, but it's not. I I for me it's it's for two parts of the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Okay. It just it. So the synopsis of of each the Impossible Planet, the Doctor and Rose. The TARDIS materializes on a space station. Well, on an, a, a station on an asteroid. Is that Satellite 5, or am I thinking of something wrong? And the asteroid is, is suspended near a black hole. But it, it's not being absorbed in, which already leads... You know, it, it brings about one mystery. And they, they, they go, and they find... no. Oh yeah, right. So this also introduces for Ood, which is a fan favorite alien of mine. For Ood are, are these bold guys with tentacle mouths and balls they use to communicate. Well, at, at least that that's what the slave Ood's are like. That there are Ood's that just naturally hold their brain. But mm -hmm. but anyway, so they they they're, they're on this space, and it leads to a mystery. That there's a mystery of it. Uh, they. So, so, ah, what was it? Right, they find text. The Doctor literally finds this text that the TARDIS won't translate because it's older. It it's really, 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 really old. And just throughout the whole episode, there's a great deal of tension. It it, and then you enter the Satan pit. Basically, the Doctor. There's this mysterious pit, and the Doctor finds it, and he he decides to go down it. At the same time, for the uh, this the devil, literally the devil, uh, hijacks the Ood's telepath telepathic hive mind. So the Ood try to kill everyone. So there's a race to uh, knock the Ood unconscious, and then escape the base. And I I don't know. It's just it's a really weird episode and it has one of my f it, it's the uh, the impossible planet suite is one of my favorites it's not this big bombastic piece it's very subdued but i i do love it i i'm gonna be honest i completely forgot that the doctor has beat satan in canon i don't he didn't beat it though That's well, he, well did Rose what ultimately happened? right. So if the Doctor uh, destroys the Vastus and then goes into the TARDIS, so the asteroids pulled into the black hole. But the Devil already moved his conscious into uh, the guy that was doing the archaeology stuff. Right. It, it's ultimately Rose because Rose grabs a pistol, shoots it, and unplugs the guy's seatbelt. So he flies off into space into the black hole, never to be seen again. Imagine Rose walking up to Jackie and saying, Mum, I've killed Satan. But he, but even then it doesn't, because it, 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 the episode's very philosophical more than science fiction related, because it basically says, yes, the devil was real. However, it, it's more about the idea of the devil, and the fact that this creature locked away at the furthest, in the furthest reach of the universe.
like, because they do establish this asteroid suspends near the black hole. This is right at the edge of the universe. It's about as far away from, you know, civilization as you can get. And just, it's the idea of the devil, or, you know, this evil incarnate. It's the idea of evil incarnate, how it's, it's trapped in this one place, and yet the idea can spread throughout the stars. It's more the idea than the actual being, because the actual being... As the episode proves, you can, you know, destroy. If you get... Do you follow my train of thought, or am I talking... Yeah, kind of. Uh, When you were talking about the idea of his presence, or the idea of him being everywhere... Yeah. It kind of works, given that you described he moved his consciousness, consciousness from the giant humanoid goat thing to the archaeologist. So the idea that's you know that almost fur- that's almost further cemented by the fact that it can be anywhere in any form. Yeah. Huh. It's a good episode or or two parter. <laughs> Easily. So we also have the the end point of se- so the Christmas specials always cap off the se- series. So series ones obviously uh, the Christmas invasion, which also. Sp- well, th- where we also learn about the Torchwood Institute. Uh, series 2 uh, ends with The Runaway Bride, which introduces yeah. us to fan-favorite companion Donna Noble. And then we move into Series 3. So, uh, uh, just to run down of the episodes, Smith & Jones, The Shakespeare Code, Gridlock, Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution of the Daleks, The Lazarus Experiment. 42, Human Nature, The Family of Blood, Blink, Utopia, The Sound of Drums, The Last of the Time Lords, and the Christmas special of 2007, Voyage of the Damned. So, what's what's your standout episode for series three? Of, of those names, you, this is not going to come as a surprise to you. It's got to be... One of them's got to be Blink. Obviously. It... Oh, yeah, I would say it's Blink. Sorry, would you... Would you care, good sir, to elaborate on Blink? Okay, so... The uh, brief synopsis on Blink is... This is one of the more... Wibbly-wobbly-timey-whiny, for lack of a better word, I mean, this is uh, sort of episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's where the expression came from. It came from Ten himself. Um, but the idea is that a woman named Sally Sparrow and a friend of hers go to look at an old house under the context, I under what under which context, I don't remember. Oh, it's, but it's they the end... wallpaper in the house, because the wallpaper yeah. has her name on it. Yeah. But while looking around the house, Sally discovers that there are messages from the Doctor from an earlier point in time, as well as on a series of DVDs in the form of quote-unquote Easter eggs that a friend of hers from an old video shop has found out. And eventually, she and her associates learn of these beings known as the Weeping Angels, or by also known as the Lonely Assassins. Yes, thank you, Gary. Um, the idea of the Weeping Angels, 
Um, in premise, it doesn't sound like that that bad, but in the grand scheme of things, it's oh. But the idea is that one, an angel is faster than anything can perceive in any shape or form. You blink, or if a light goes out, even for a split second, a picosecond, they can move in that time. And when they and if and when they get to you, they touch you in any way, shape, or form. They will send you a notable amount back in time for you to, in lack of better words, live to death. You live the rest of your life decades before you were born. Mm. And they feed Hen off the energy of the potential life you would have had. Mm. Hence, how the doctor gets those messages to Sally is because he and... Mom. Was it? It was Donna. No, Martha, sorry. He he and Martha. Martha's the one I simp for. Yeah. I, I find Freeman. She she's a very attractive actress. But the doc ten and his companion at the time, Martha, get sent back in time, and are sending messages through those video recordings to Sally. Mm. And eventually she meets them, but of course, with it being wibbly wobbly timey wimey, Martha and the doctor don't know her yet. But she has the folder of everything and gives it to them. Yeah, that's where she got the rest. That's where she got some of her information from. And then, so like then I... it, it goes full circle. But the Weeping Angels are one of the more, you know, they're the, um, they're, I don't know, in terms of how big they got, like Scare Factor, they were, they're on a similar vein as the Daleks and the Cybermen. I've noticed. I think, I think very. I think it's fair to say they are easily one of the most iconic modern Doctor. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. In fact, in terms of original monsters from modern Doctor, they are the most iconic. Hmm. Uh, I mean, what about yourself, Gary? Oh, I, I was. I wanted to add something to Blink because Blink was uh, Stephen Moffat's. It's, oh yeah, well, it was, wasn't it? It's worth noting. I think if we touch him off for episodes, it is worth noting that he he came up with it. Uh, my my standout, I I I blink. I would say is the standout. But if we're going with a second standout, I would say it's the two part of human nature and the family of blood. Ah yes. Uh, so for synopsis for this one is uh, in human nature, the doctor and Martha are being ch chased by a species, not sorry, not by a species, species no. but by a family called the family, and the family are chasing the doctor because they they want to feed off feed off of him to give themselves immortality because he's a time lord. So they chase they and they can chase him throughout time, like they can literally sniff him out and. Go anywhere he can go, so he uses a the uh, a fob watch, a a variation of the chameleon circuit to literally re rewrite his DNA and make himself human. Wait, hold on. If I may, he was stored in the fob watch, but he used the chameleon arch. Ah, oh, right. Which, yeah. is, which was a, a TARDIS attachment. So, so the chameleon arch rewrites his DNA to be human, and, and then the fob watch the was where he contained himself. Yes. Yes, and he goes back in time to, ooh, what was it, 1912? Yeah, yeah, because he was, he, was he was posing as a teacher. 
or I say posing, he didn't he didn't know he was posing, but he no, he took no, on the so... role of a teacher. Yeah, no, sorry, correction, it was nineteen thirteen he went to. One year off. So uh night he goes to nineteen thirteen to high you know, the high school. And Lewis is right, he becomes a small te- teacher, Martha becomes a maid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the do- basically the doctor he he develops this whole new life and he he even falls in love with the uh, matron uh, Joan was it Joan Radford I think her, her life I, think, was- I remember her name I remember her name being Joan but I don't remember what her name was her last I think name it, was. I think it was Radford uh, so basically the doctor has this whole life but the family ends up there. And, oh, uh, the family are creepy as well. So, you, do you remember Baines was the first one? Uh, to, so, the son took th- the body of one of the school children, Baines. And Baines was creepy. He almost moved. He really did catch, you know, the, the feel of some his body's dead and it's just being used as a, you know, vehicle. He, he had the around. face for it. Yeah. It also had the kid from Nanny McPhee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, then there was the daughter. Who took, who, uh, literally took the body of a girl. Uh, The father took the body of that farmer who had the really stereotypically English country farmer voice. I, uh, I somewhat resonate with that because I'm originally from that sort of country background. I come from, like, the the lower parts of the country, the farmers, farmers area, if you will. And the mother takes the body of the other, the other maids, doesn't she? Yeah, it was some, uh, it was someone that Martha had attached Mar- herself Mar- to, yeah. one of Martha's friends. So they live this whole life, but the family finds them, and the episode culminates with them at this dance. And then the next episode, there's this whole, there's actually a big battle between the Scarecrow army and the schoolboys, because... Oh yeah, they can possess Scarecrows. No, they didn't possess them, remember, they used some science to animate them. Oh, sorry. And the schoolboys fight them. It's interesting as well, because the whole episode, it it does acknowledge the, uh, the shadow... That is the common form of World War One. World War One does play a big part, even though it's not happened yet. It's which is crazy to think about. But so the schoolboys fight the scare the uh, scarecrows, uh, and uh, John Smith. It, we we should treat him as his own character rather than mm-hmm. the doctor. But John Smith has to die so the doctor can stop the family, because the family stopped bombarding the village. And it, I think that's the, one of the saddest bits of the episode, where John, you have John Smith, and, and, and he's holding the fob watch, in, but jo, Joan's holding it as well, and they can see their future together, if, if you know, John Smith lives. But they know the, do, the doctor can't, can never live a life a normal life. He can't grow old and just die. He he has to live. It's really sad. Mm, especially the look on his face. Like that is the expression of a man 
who really, in literal terms, has lived a, he is a, he, his, his whole life is a lie. Mm. But it's also one for Doctor comes back. For Doctor, this is one of the few times, because for Doctor is a Time Lord, and, and people, you always have to remember, the Time Lords are basically god aliens. They are the oldest, one of the oldest civilizations canonically in Doctor Who. So mm. they, they basically do act as, you know, universal gods. And you see the Doctor act like a true Time Lord here. Where he, he gives the family immortality. But he basically traps all of them. They have to it... suffer a life of solitude and loneliness, apart from the daughter, who the doctor checks on once a year because she's trapped in every mirror. So I think the girl was trapped in a mirror. I not, think not, not a mirror. Every not mirror. a mirror. All mirrors. Baines Baines was put in a scarecrow, wasn't he? Yes, to to um... eternally guard the fields of England. But the father and the mother, I don't remember their fates. I, th- I think the father was wrapped in chains, maybe like unbreakable chains. But I could be wrong. Mm. And the mother? I forgot. Maybe drowned. Oh, kept underwater. I don't know. They right. were dealt with. Really, we should talk about the finale. The the three part of Utopia, the sound of drums, and the last of the Time Lords. Because it's too good to not talk about. The drums. Okay, so... I don't know if that picked up for you. If what picked up? So, Oh, were you knocking? I was... Don't worry, uh, my audio input capture did get it. I... Okay. That's actually really cool, too, because it... It sort of works the same. It's paced the same way as the um, as the beat of the theme tune, the four notes. Yeah, but that's 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 pretty clever. So Utopia, do you want to do you want to run down Utopia, good sir? Yeah, um, I'll run over the setting because this is a consistent setting between everything. So. To start off with, the TARDIS is refueling at its rift in Cardiff, but a familiar face is running towards it, being Captain Jack Harkness. Oh, um, this, this, this is where we should bring up. Rose didn't just revive Captain Jack. She made him a fixed point, because a human can't actually control the time vortex. So he's essentially immortal. He can't be killed, ever. He can't be killed through injury, he can't be killed through age. The Ooh, only conceivable way... The only... Why at the, end. the only conceivable way I could think of him being ended is in a, in a Deadpool fashion where every cell of him is gone. Or end, end of the universe. Or the end of the universe, which is a good segue into the setting of the episode, because the Doctor, not wanting to see Jack again after... Um, it's not the Doctor, it's the TARDIS that does it. Not the, oh, it's not the Doctor, no. Yeah. But the TARDIS, TARDIS, is, the TARDIS yeah. isn't best pleased, because for context, for, for context, she's alive. The TARDIS isn't happy to see Jack, 
so starts to dematerialize before finishing refueling. In his haste, Jack clings on to the side and clings on to the front of the TARDIS through the time vortex, and they end up in was it the year hundred year hundred thousand? No, um, end of the universe basically. Like in terms of in terms of the point in time, it is the end of the universe. Yes. Future kind. Oh, Very interesting. Future kind have a really good theme as well. With the guitar. Um, Sorry. Gary, if you'd like, if you'd like to continue into into right, um, yeah, I, I probably uh, one of our notable one of so, our more notable characters. Yeah, So Utopia introduces us to a gem of a character. The very soft and caring and hopeful for just Professor Yana. And y- y- basically, the doctor and Martha and Captain Jack, they-, they find themselves at a place called the Silo. The Silo is a... Professor Yana is trying to build a ship so humanity can fly to a place called Utopia. Thus the name of the episode. And... Y- Yana's struggling to build it at this point and is starting to lose hope. But then he, he, he wants to meet the Doctor because he finds out the Doctor's a scientist. And you learn a lot. Or Yana learns a lot about how the universe used to be. However, the fob watch from the family of blood, Yana has. The fob watch, the, the Time Lord fob watch, and Yana starts to notice it because of his interactions with the Doctor, and where he starts to hear all these terms about like Time War and TARDIS, and then it's just, it's glorious. Basically, uh, the he 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 opens the fob watch as we. So the Doctor, which reawakes the, the true person, the Time Lord. And ooh, should we spoil who he is? Or should, should we continue explaining the scene? We already had a spoiler warning earlier. Right, okay, so... Martha, Martha's the one that tells... Even points out the fog watch. So Martha runs to the Doctor and tells the Doctor. And the Doctor first is disbelief, but he, he needs to know now. And they just, they run to find out. Yana barric- basically shuts him out of the uh, lab. And, and uh, no, sorry, he opens the fob watch and shuts out the lab. And this is where we find out who he is. He is the master. Now, the context, the master is a, one of the uh, most reoccurring characters in Doctor Who alongside Davros. He, he just, he comes back and back and back, always trying to cheat death, because Time Lords only have 13 regenerations. And the Master, well. the master, the master has become a zombie-like creature, he's literally stolen regenerations, and, and even then, he died. The Time Lords, the Time Lords revived him for the Time War. But, so basically, to to get away, he he goes to the end of the universe and you know rewrites himself to figure out who he is, and just 
it's it's very interesting because the doctor throughout this whole time has only known has believed he was the last of the time lords whether or not the, the, the master was an enemy that's all changed now because they are the last of the time lords but the master being the master steals the tardis forcing the doctor to lock it between the year the year they're currently in and 2007 so the Dot Master can only go between those two years. And the Master becomes, uh, ooh, do you want to say? Nuts. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to, um, uh, Harold Saxon, I think his alias was. Yes, but what does he do as Harold Saxon? Come on. Oh, he takes over the world. No, no, before that, cause it's hilarious. He becomes the Prime Minister of Britain. Oh, he, oh right, yeah. yeah. Remember, Harold Saxon, as, as, a, as Harold Saxon, he literally becomes the Prime Minister of Britain. It's hilarious. Which, this, this is uh, the sound of drums. And, and, and in the sound of drums, the Master forces Master, uh, Master? Martha, uh, Captain Jack, and the Doctor on the run. On top of that, uh, he kills the President of the United States. Uh, the humans trying to escape into Utopia, he, uh, he turns into the Tocophane, using the TARDIS as a paradox machine. So the Tocophane come back in time and start killing humanity. And, uh, well, this is a really jank recap of the finale. But basically, the master wins, kind of at the start, right? Hmm. Martha travels the world, telling people of the doctor. Uh, the doctor basically goes into God Minecraft's God mode. Creative um, mode. Yeah, creative mode. Sorry, <laughs> like, man. He 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 goes into creative mode, and uh, undoes basically everything the master did gets undone. So the TARDIS becomes the TARDIS again and starts being a paradox machine. And the Doctor tries to keep the master around because he is the last of the time. But then the master's wife shoots him. Yeah, Lucy, I think. Yes. And the master, and out, out of pure nutter spite, he refuses to regenerate. Once again, leaving the Doctor as the last of the Time Wars. This segments us quite nicely into Series 4. Series 4 is the, the friendship season. Series four's actually consistently, in my opinion, from in the whole Russell T. Davis era, it's it's for most consistently good. Every episode's good. There there isn't a a bad episode here. So, what's your favorite episode of series four of Doctor Who? Uh, would you mind briefly listing out the names of the oh, episodes? Oh, right. Yes. I'll, I'll we'll, we'll we'll tackle the specials separately. So we we have partners of crime, 
the fires of Pompeii, planets of Ud, the Santaran Stratodon and the Poison Sky, the Doctor's Daughter, Unicorn and the Wasp, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead, Midnight, and the finale, Turn Left, The Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Okay, sorry if I'm going a bit quiet, the family's back, so I'm muting myself if I'm not talking. Um, Midnight is one that really sticks out for me. I can tell you that much. Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, Unicorn and the Wasp was interesting. Uh, was that Agatha, Agatha Christie? Agatha Christie. Yep. Um... Those are the ones that immediately come to mind when I make yourself. Uh, for me, it's the Planet of Feud, the Santaran Stratagem, the Poison Sky. The, the, the first episode, uh, the first episode, uh, Partners in Crime is quite standout. Uh, Midnight, very much so. The finale, obviously. The finale's I think, really, the finales and first episodes are always standouts, right? Is that fair to well, say? they've got to start and end of a bang, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, and Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. I haven't thought... Really, every episode's a standout for me. It, it'd be hard... It's hard for me to pick a favourite. What's your favourite, then? My favourite? Hmm. Um... I'm trying to I'm trying to leave the last one out because at the moment the only thing that's coming to my mind is just veil to see him in the background and ten regenerating. Oh no, but, we're, uh, we're, we're gonna count the specials as their own thing. I think the Va the Vashti Narada ones, I think. Ah, uh, silence and, in the library and, and forest, the forest of the dead. So, would you like to give the synopsis of this amazing two part good stuff? If you go first, I've got someone knocking on my door. Pardon okay. me a minute. So. Silence in the library. Uh, the Doctor and his new companion, the uh, character from the Christmas special for Runaway Bride, uh, she's no Donna Noble is now his companion. They and Donna Noble and the Doctor go to this planet where that's literally the entire planet is one big library, except they find no one there. So, vast silence in the library, and they start to explore, and then they meet a bunch of explorers, uh, led by a character who we're gonna wanna remember going forward, River Song. Now, River Song knows the Doctor, but the Doctor doesn't know who she is, meaning she's from his future. And they, what they find is the li this uh, library has been infested by these uh, basically shadow piranhas. The Vasta Narada are, are literal piranhas that fly through shadows feeding on anything they can only leave in bone. Uh, I joined back right time. So, for Vast and Radus, basically, they inhabit the bodies of the, ex not bodies, but the uh, suits of the explorers that the explorers are wearing. 
and they start puppeting them. Uh, and, uh, well, do you... okay, right, so there's also for AI. For, for AI, running the library is a, uh, is mentally a child. It's a little girl that's been made into an AI. Or at least what the main, the main system is for child. Uh, she, she has a therapist who's, I believe, wasn't the, uh, therapist, you know, the black dude with the glasses, wasn't he the, uh, wasn't he another, another system in the computer to help her? I, I think his name was Dr. Moon, I think. Yeah, so, so Dr. Moon I don't know Moon why all this is coming back to me now, I haven't thought of it in months. Dr. Moon's a security subsystem, isn't he? So if she, if she goes wrong... He he puts her right. I remember that much. That was, and that, that's uh, a difficult thing to wrap one's head around, especially if it's presented in the form of you know flesh and blood people. So okay, so we've done. Uh, and no, we can we can just talk about it coherently. So so, after for Doctor Meet River Song, uh, and they start being picked off one by one. Uh, do you want to continue with the synopsis? I'm trying to remember what happens in that one. Uh, I do remember River saying something that's quite important to her character as her Spoiler. appearances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we've already we've already made that warning. Uh, something that she points out that no, no, I mean that because it's it's oh yeah, that's like where it came place. from. That's where it came from. But uh, something important about River's character that carries over into further seasons is a, her. Was it her? Oh, oh, her, I, I mentioned her, that her, she's from her his part, future. Yeah, she's from the Doctor's future. So, was it? Um, is it as she gets older, the Doctor gets younger? Or is it different? She gets older. He get. No, he get. Yeah, no, she get. No, wait. I'm... Yeah, I think you're right. But then, but going by that logic, she would have had to have met classic doctors who would be much more confused than the current ones yeah right so for ai for ai's for, for ai's also been saving people she she's been uh store uh t storing their bodies in uh the mainframe on top of that um river song dies to save the mainframe no, no, she doesn't. River Song... Did, how, how did River Song die again? I... I don't know. Because I remember the Doctor makes her immortal by by, by integrating her into the mainframe, doesn't he? Does he? I'm afraid this is one of the episodes I don't remember a lot about. Yeah, because it, 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 it's accompanied by uh, one of my favourite tracks of uh, Series 4. The uh, Murray Gold's The Greatest Story Never Told. Excellent track. I suggest everyone give give it a give, give it a listen. It, it's a good track. Uh, and so the Doctor saves her. Uh, Donna's brought back. And well, uh, the people are brought back. The library operates again. The end. The lights are turned back on. Yes. And the Vast and the Vlada are ousted. And aside from an adventure game, I don't think they've been used again. 
Which is a little bit disappointing, I have to be real honest. I think they're, they're also one of the standout aliens of modern Who. Okay. So, so what's, what's next on our agenda? Oh yeah, right. So that was your favourite episode, wasn't it? But that's one of the ones that stood out. Because we're looking so far back in episodes that I haven't seen in a while, I can't really pinpoint one as a favourite. I'm... I... I, I think with my favourite... I, I want to say Midnight and be that guy, but I actually think Planet of Feud's my favorite. Mid Midnight was strange. Midnight's like great. stranger than stranger than stranger than normal. Dare I say it? Like, especially with the with the echoing and the repeats. Midnight was actually one of the ones Russell T Davis wrote himself as well. Midnight, Midnight's fear doesn't. I think Midnight's fear more comes from, from the social situation of the alien itself. I mean, if the alien definitely plays a role, but it, it's the uh, fear of being confined with people and distrust growing amongst those people. But Planet Planet Ooze definitely a gem because it it re so Ooze. One one they appeared in the Impossible Planet, Ud were established as a hive mind slave race that wanted to be enslaved. Mm. Planet of Ud recontextualizes that, which is they, that's all they know is being slaves. They they literally uh they're born, uh they they have their second brain because the Ud, the Ud have three brains. There's the bit. There's the big boy brain, which isn't connected to their body, but they're all connected to it via the hive mind. There is their the brain in their head, and then there's a brain they have to hold in their hands, and that 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 third little tiny brain is cut off, and replaced with this ball for communication by humans. Humans are the ones enslaving them, and they, they get forced into cargo containers, and this is one of the standout episodes of Donna as well, because it, it really does sh exemplify like, Donna's one of the best companions. She's, she's very much the most I think it's fair to say Donna's the most human. Because, uh, Rose kind of ends up like the Doctor. She's very uh, de desensitized to you know this kind of stuff. Mm, yeah. But Donna, Donna's not, and Donna brings a lot of her hu human un baggage with her, and Donna knows it's wrong. Basically, the Doctor and Donna literally set out to free for Ood, because for Ood start going rabid, which is actually just for big hive brains. Hive mind brain uh, resisting slavery. Mm. So f basically, it's literally an uprising of food fighting for their freedom. Didn't the CEO of that company try to blow it up? Yeah, he did. At which it leads to the freaky aspect because one of the Ood's, his personal Ood servants, been feeding him tonic, but he's actually been turning into an Ood. Which is, it's, it, it, okay, this is the standout scene. It, it's where you hear the, the, the Ood's telepathic song, you know, for, 
I don't think that's the best rendition of it. You're gonna and... need to uh, gonna need to link that in the de- in the description or something. No, nah, I think people will understand what I'm like. But he he peels off his, his face. You never seen him pull that, right? I I do, yes. Yeah, it's really really freaky. But it's great. And then the, the noodles drop. Oh yes, for for, for tentacle mouth. Uh, so for Uda freed, and the the Ud get their the world back. It's it's a very sad episode as well. I mean, there's there's another standout scene where Donna and Donna and the Doctor are looking past these bars at these imprisoned Ood, and these Ood have that natural third brain, and they're all kind of just grouped together and they they just sing. They weren't neurologically muted. What what what's the song called? Cause cause, it's the song, that it, it's one of the best tracks of series four. I, I um, don't. The song of captivity and freedom. Okay. Oh, did you just find the the name for that? Yeah, I, I had to look it up. It, it's a wonderful piece. This is what I mean. Murray Gold's Murray Gold's music really does just gel with Doctor Who. Again, it's exciting when it has to be, but it can be. He can be subdued, but he can also be very. His his music's very emotive. I think it's fair to say. Hmm. It very much fits. It fits what the scene is going for. Yeah. Oh boy, so this takes us into the final lot of episodes. Where the series four specials. Here we go. So, the Doctor defeats uh, Davros and the Daleks who come back and try to destroy the universe. Now at this point, uh, well, Donna's been ousted because... She she became the Doctor Donna, but a human can't contain a Time Lord's mind. So yeah, so she had he um he, ten had to wipe it. Yeah, I forgot. I oh, that's another thing. I forget he can do that. Which leads us into the specials, where the Doctor, throughout all of the specials, he is alone, completely alone, no Time Lords, no companions. The closest uh, he has is, um, I think it's Donna's grandfather, Wilfred Mott. Yes, in the... Oh, yeah, right, so the list of episodes. Uh, for next, Doctor, which oh, was no. the... Uh, that was the... David Morrissey. I think his name was. David Morrissey played the quote-unquote next Doctor. Yes. The quotes are important. So, the next Doctor was the 2008 Christmas special. Then we had a Easter special because we had. This was the only year where we got specials that correlated with other holidays. So, Planet of Fear Dead was the Easter special. Uh, we had the Halloween special, and it is 
of the Waters of Mars, and then the Christmas special, the end of time, and then the New Year's Eve special, the end of time part two. So, for you, what is the stand? What is the best of the specials? Outside of that one scene I described earlier, let's see. The next Doctor is one of the ones that springs to my mind immediately, mostly because of the idea of just a giant Cyberman roaming Victorian London. I think it's Victorian London. Yeah, it's Victorian London. Um, but then you've got this quote-unquote next Doctor who's having an identity crisis because he was given false memories. Like his TARDIS is oh, a no, 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 it wasn't. He was given false memories. He found a capsule with information of the doctor, and he he oh. lost his son. So he what he accidentally activated this capsule, and because of of the emotions of losing his son, he decided to adopt. He he subconsciously adopted a new identity to cope with the 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 uh, loss. Yes, all right. He found him working in the Cyberman factory. Yes. And and oh. then he was able to become himself again. Rediscovery. It's that was still that was really that's one of the few episodes Okay, so I have to be honest, Doctor Who has really sad moments. So there's only there's a handful of moments where I that like like a very specific handful of moments that make me tear up. And that episode is one of the few that does because I I find I just found it really sad that he was so grief struck and that he, he he adopted a new identity. Sorry, I don't know. I, I just, I found that really tragic. No, I, I see where you're coming from. The idea of not, the idea of losing something so close to you that makes you a, a big part of something that makes you you, mm. makes you not want to be you. So having the opportunity to change your identity to a man with, well, on an outwardly a much, a much, I don't know, better, more exciting life. Uh, yeah. Maybe not better, but certainly more eventful, exciting, varied. So that takes us on to the uh, next of the specials, Planet of the Dead, which... Wasn't the comedian Lee Evans in the episode? He was. He we played a character named Malcolm. I can't remember yeah, his last name. Malcolm. But he 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 came, he came up with an entire unit of measurement named after himself. <laughs> because why not? Uh, Malcolm. See that uh, Planet of the Dead was definitely. I think Planet of the Dead and, and uh, the next dot were definitely the lightest in tone. Been Christmas and Easter specials. Because mm. Planet of the Dead, literally, uh, the guess, uh, I forgot her, Christina, I forgot the actress's name, but Christina was literally a cat burglar who just pulled off some big heist. Uh, they, 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 they go to this alternate world through some dimensional rift. Mm-hmm. In a in a but London double decker bus, and the episode ends with the bus flying off. And the back to the Harry Potter gave you a uh, Back to the Future, and Harry Potter gave you a flying car. Back to the Future gave you a flying train. Now Doctor Who brings you a flying double decker. Yes, a double decker. Um, it is. It's a it's a very good capping off. 
I just like one of the few one of the lines I remember from that episode is, "All right, I'll go in this police box and arrest myself." Yes. So, like, no, no one questioned. Wait, those most of those police boxes were torn down. Why is there one there? No one questions it. Probably, I mean, I, the chameleon circuit probably plays part of a role in it. It stopped working ages ago, and the doctors just not wanted to fix it since I don't know the sixth doctor. Yeah, but there's there's the other facet of the chameleon circuit where you can where people can perceive something, but they don't care to look at it. You know, because it, it's the thing the doctor used for uh, the with the TARDIS keys in the finale of Series 3, do you remember? Um, no, please a, elaborate. A, a perception filter. Ah, uh, okay, please elaborate. Uh, literally, a perception filter just makes it so, oh, so it you can limits see something, what see. but you don't... No, you, you see it, but you don't want to look at it. Ah, uh, okay. It, however, it doesn't work if you do want to look at it. Uh, Waters of Mars as well, which is sent 2059, and given that we want... Waters of Mars, I think, in terms of episodes predicting the future, I think it's the most likely. Because it predicts and by that, 2050... That idea is terrifying. No, no not, not, the, not the alien. It's the idea of humanity colonizing Mars in the 2050s. Also, in the, at the mention of Waters of, Mar of Waters of Mars, I would like to say briefly... Gadget, gadget. Gadget, gadget. Ah, uh, I miss Gadget. When Waters you know, of you Mars know. was one of the dark, more, a lot darker in terms of Dot 2 episodes. Mm. It was the, uh, the Halloween special. Well, of course. It was always going to be the scariest. Like, especially... Especially by the, um... Oh yeah, would you like to explain the Flood briefly? Because they were the enemy for that one. Yes, yeah, so... There was a virus within the, uh... Not virus, uh... Living parasite-type entity living in the, uh... Waters of the, uh... Martian North Pole. That obviously it was frozen because it was the North Pole. The human humans thawed it out, and then it realized it it could thrive on Earth because Earth is mostly water, and humans are mostly water. And because humans need a good amount of water to survive. That that too. It it all kind of it just comes together. Yeah. So basically, you you've got you've got this water parasite trying to take over a a human colonization, a human colony rather. But it, I, that for me, that's not for my more terrifying fast of the episodes is uh, the Time Lord victorious. Oh yeah, there was that whole speech because one of the crew members wasn't actually supposed to survive the Mars I mean, trip. They, they were all supposed to die in, in the colonies being blown up. Mm. But, yeah, because she, she was a fixed point, because her death's what inspires her granddaughter to continue going further into the stars, wasn't it? Yeah. 
But then when when Ten brings her back, she goes on this. She's not even remotely happy. She goes on this whole rant. Telling him who decides who's important and who's not. I can't remember what I can't remember what Ten said. Like oh, uh, hold on, I I can pull it up quickly. Give give Gary a brief moment. He's looking for the quote. I mean, oh, it's it's a. Uh... I suppose while we're waiting for Gary to get the quote, I'll briefly say if anyone has anything they'd like to share about their experiences with go. Doctor Who, whether it be about the the show itself or the music. Uh, feel free to say so in the comments. This yeah. this whole thing is whole thing is about sharing our experiences and learning about others. It's all about interaction. So go on ahead. Okay, carry on. Right. Uh. Okay. So. Uh. Right. Uh. So. Adeline. So the doctor justifies what he does by saying, oh, uh, same story, different details, and Addison says, you can't do that. Uh, the whole of human history, the, the history could change the future of the human race, so on and so forth. And the doctor just says, tough. And then uh, he he says he's done this sort of thing before, where uh, little people, right, here's the good bit. For a long time now, I thought I was just a survivor, but I'm not. I'm the winner. That's who I am. The Time Lord Victorious. Adelaine replies, and there's no one that can stop you. He says, no. Adelaine says, this is wrong, Doctor. I don't care who you are. The Time Lord Victorious is wrong. The Doctor then proceeds to say, that's for me to decide. Then she goes into her house and shoots herself. Because that that means th this has been the case for a long time, but the doctor is fully aware of what he of at this time it was a he. He is fully aware of what he can and cannot do. Well, yeah, fixed points. I mean, to be fair, Ud Sigma shows up in this, doesn't he? Was was it Ud Sigma? Yeah, because he shows up. The doctor sees him in the snow near the lamp post. Remember. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Cause, cause then the doctor, the doctor says to Ood, "Oh, am I gonna die? Did I go too far?" Which leads us quite nicely into the end of time. The the finale of the Russell T Davis era. Would you Would you like to give a synopsis of the end of time? Uh the end of time. That this is nearing the regeneration point, isn't it? Yes. Okay, um, oh god, I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember a lot about these, uh, this sequence of episodes. I remember, I don't remember the entire premise, so I'm just gonna point out some bits I do remember. Uh, so, first off, um, uh, Ten goes and makes some farewell calls, because, you know, there's gonna be companions that you either don't see in a long time, or you don't see again. At all. Hmm. Um, Doesn't he hook uh, Captain Jack up with the uh, yeah guy so, from the Voyage of Con Yeah, 
the context uh con sorry hold on I'm trying to think of the word context for voyage of the damned uh one of the crew members by the name of alonzo ends up in um basically the space basically the doctor who equivalent of the cantina from star wars um and captain jack is there as well um and they're both sat at a bar so offhand 10 slips jack a note that says his name is alonzo referring to the man sat right next to him and he gets them to get or presumably he gets them to get or at least he gets them talking the doctor the ultimate wingman yes very Ch- chad doctor moment but um gary would you mind summing up the uh, the majority of the end of time please because I don't remember all of it. Right, so I remember. I remember the way he went out. But that's off at towards the end of the time time war, where because the time war is it's not just it happened; it's time locked. It's it's literally locked in time. You can't travel to the time war, and those in the time war can't travel outwards. To a degree, see. The Time Lords didn't just revive the Master to fight in the Time War. The drums he hears, that comes from a plot by the Gallifreyan Razalon. Was Razalon the head of the Gallifreyans? I don't quite remember if he was the head honcho, if you will, of the Gallifreyans, but he was quite high up in power. Yes. Played excellently by Timothy Dalton, just as a note. Sorry, I, I I actually do think Timothy Dalton's a good actor. Speaking of places in Gallifrey and power, wasn't the Doctor a president once on Gallifrey? Of some sort. He had some placement in power on Gallifrey. Uh, yeah, I think. Anyway, oh, moving was on. It? Sorry. Yeah, oh, so... I, I remember the fourth Doctor wearing some Gallifreyan robes, but that's about it. So... Razalon hatches a plan to get the t- pull the Time Lords out of the Time Lock. He he, the drums for Master heard in in the series three finale. The Time Lords put there. At least that, sorry, this is just a bit of speculation on my behalf because I think it it it's unreasonable to presume that the Master heard them during the classic era. I think. The drums are very much a post-time war occurrence. Yeah. And I, I think... That, so the Time Lords force him to hear these drums, these drums that drive him forward, but he's dead. However, there, there's a cult of Harold Saxon who want to revive the Master. And so, they do. Yes. Which means Razalong can continue his plan. So the plan is to use the Master to pull the Gallifreyans out of the Time War. The Doctor pairs up with Wilfred Mark, uh, Noble to uh, stop him. Uh, the Master turns literally everyone on Earth that is human into him. Apart from Donna, because Donna's no longer human. For Doctor Donna, it wasn't just mentally, was it? She is part-time Lord, isn't she? Mm. Yeah, cause, oh wait, because there was this severed hand, wasn't there, from uh, a previous thing? Yeah. So Donna, Donna, 
Oh yeah, Donna nearly dies in the end of Time as well, doesn't she? Yeah, because she starts remembering things. Yeah. Which is really sad, because Donna, Donna doesn't deserve to die like that. that that's... But, but anyway, so... If Master turns everyone on Earth into himself, um... These cactus aliens help the Doctor and Wilfred escape, because Wilfred uh, does luckily doesn't get turned into the Master. So then they they set then they set out to stop the Master. However, the Master slightly succeeds, and the Time Lords start coming through. Razalon ready to with with his metal gauntlet ready to greet them, and the Doctor is in the middle of this. So for it's a penultimate scene, or at least with with the villains exclusively, where the, the Doctor has a gun pointed at the Master, and then he points at Razalon, and well, he's not going to shoot either because the Doctor, any violence the Doctor could commit, is gone from him, and has been gone from for you know since Rose really. He said himself during um the doctor's daughter he never would. Yeah. Build a society on the foundations of. You you never would, but uh so. But the master the master kills Razalon, doesn't he? Like he actually used. Yeah, he he tells the doctor to get out of the way because the doctor's positioned in front of the master. Mm. Master tells the doctor to get out of the way, and. Um, the master basically just electrodes Razalon. Yep. But he also, the master get, gets go, go, gets locked, doesn't he? In the time lock. As well. Like, the master's gone again. Which leads to, uh... Then, uh it leads to... For, for bit. Yeah. I think anyone anyone who's watched Tenant Season knows the See, bit. Faud gave the Doctor a prophecy that he would die after hearing four knocks. Now, you'd think those knocks might come from the Master, because do, 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 do. Yeah. Do, do, do. But it doesn't. Wilfred knocks on the gla glass of this radiation chamber four times. Wilfred is the one that brings the doctors to death because the ra there's there's a radiation chamber. It's about to be flooded with radiation. However, the do doctor could flood it in another section, and Wilfred c could get out. And the doctor does because well, he cares for Wilfred. However, this this is his body's already been through a lot, but this this is the you know last straw for his body really. He's gonna have to regenerate, and it leads to the scene a spectrum mentioned about, where he goes and sees off previous companions. I think he even shot a Santaran in the Provig then. Wait, what? Well, he well he didn't shoot. I think he he not he um he hit a Santaran in the Provig vent with a a bludgeoning object. To uh, save one of them, can't remember which one it was. Yeah, I think he did. Can't remember who it was though. It's it it's really 
well, that that's it. He regenerates with the very famous track that you could just you can hear in your head. I'm hearing it. I'm they, seeing they it, and I don't know how I feel. With, with the with Tennant's last words as the Doctor, I don't want to go. And then we get to see the next Doctor, Matt Smith. And this closes off the, ta- the Russell T. Davis era. However, there is one more bit of do- for involving the Doctor we can talk about. For wedding of Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah, because it, oh yeah, he appeared in that a couple times in different incarnations. Yeah, but it's for two parts of Wedding of Sarah Jane Smith, which involved the Sarah Jane Smith villain, was the trickster? Was it the trickster? I don't know. I didn't see a lot of that one. I didn't see a lot of Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, damn. Okay, well. Her gonna... car was pretty iconic, though. Okay, I have a plan for that. But that we'll have to save that for another time, then. So we can we can cover spin-offs in a separate episode, maybe. Yeah. So we we've basically ran through the actual episode. So like what is your opinion of the Russell T. Davis? Oh yeah. Like what what is your opinion of the T. Davis era? For starters, I'd like to say it's been really interesting. Like I've said multiple times now that I don't remember a lot of things. But as we've been describing them over the last couple hours, probably, it's all, grad- well, most of it is coming back to me. So it's, it's interesting to revisit this. But the Davies era, looking back on it, it's, in one way or another, for one reason or another, was a defining point for modern Doctor Who. I can safely say here. I mean, it, it is what brought Doctor Who into the modern day and age. Well, yeah, but it... You know, people, even now, with our current Doctor, people still... Some people's definitions of modern Doctor Who still derive from Doctors like David Tennant and Matt Smith. Mm. Even though, you know, they're they're no longer playing their roles. Yeah. Oh, I say that the tenth. I say that uh, the tenth Doctor is in one of the games that has been released recently, but we don't talk. We're not talking about that at the moment. Yeah. So, for Russell what about T. You? Dave, for me, the Russell T. Davis series is a very. I think, for the most part, series one is it's a solid start. I think series two's flawed. Series freeze really when the consistency goes up tenfold in terms of quality. And series for like I said, that final season specials included, it's some of the best Doctor modern Doctor Who there is. In terms of consistency of quality, in terms of aliens, I mean, they've been a lot of original... There were a lot of original aliens. For for Flood were original. Uh, the time left gave us the Trickster's uh, Brigade, this giant uh, beetle thing. which was the Vashtanarada, the Jagrafess, the Weeping Angels. Yeah. 
Levine. The half. The ood. The half. The gelf. The uh, fire people. The Py- the pyrovile. Yeah, the pyrovile. Uh, the the uh, adipose. Oh yeah. But we also uh, and the wasp thing from unicorn and the wasp. But we also got a lot of. That there was great revivals of modern episodes. Again, that first episode gave us the uh, brought back the Autons. Uh, we we had the uh, was it series? What's the next? Right, yeah. Uh, so series two brought back the uh, Carronites. Carrier Knights. Sorry, Carrier Knights. I thought they were original. I don't recall them being from anywhere else. I think the, the Carrier Knights were in Classic 2. Where were they? I don't remember seeing them. Because I don't recall... I'm sure the Doc... I'm sure 10 or... I'm sure 10 would have said something if he had... Would have said something about no, them. No, the Carrier Knights is the wrong one. The Carrier, Knight, say... the Carrier Knights were for Witches. Yeah, I was going to say the Carrier Knights were original. No, I'm the talking about. Um, yeah, sorry, I meant Krillatane. Sorry. When were the Krillatanes in Classic Who? Uh. Oh, they were the, in Classic uh, Who. Were they? I swear, I, I swear they were. Do you do you want to do a brief check? No, maybe they weren't. No, because I would, I would, I would remember. I'd remember them. I'm sure if they were classic, my dad'd remember them. He, that would have been those would have been one of the ones he'd pointed out. But they brought back they brought back Daleks, they brought back Cybermen because of course. Um Yeah, sorry, no, that's my fault. No, but but that episode did bring back Canine along with Cybermen. Oh, yeah. And um, killed him. Oh yeah, there's another new alien as well. We had the wire. Oh yeah, the the wire. Feed me. Uh, oh, and there's the worst alien in all of Doctor Who. Apart, well, discounting everything from the Chibnall era. I'm We're sorry. We're not going to that yet. Yeah, and I don't like any of the original aliens in the Chibnall era. So if if this alien is still standing my my bar for worst alien, you know it's bad. The Absorbaloth. The Absorbaloth is why you don't let children design aliens for Doctor Who. Uh, but but in but um, I mean a child a child designed the junk TARDIS from House. Yeah. But um oh yeah I, until now I'd completely forgotten about the Absorbaloth just in the Oh to be fair, the Sonic glasses were pretty cool. Oh no, of course, yeah, we can we can agree on that. I, I used to have an argument with a different friend to you who hated them, and he called me the Sonic Glasses apologist. No, uh, but, but we 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 had some good. Okay, okay, maybe not as many classic aliens. No, but the amount, but the abundance of newer. Yeah, um, it, it it it's a gold mine for newer. Oh wait, no, but Santarans, obviously. Yeah, sometimes we're brought back for the stratagem. I, just as a note, I love the modern uh, 
I'm not talking modern modern as we know. I was going to say not the current one. The current ones more harken back to the seventies ones. To be fair, it's still a modern design, and I do, I do love the new Sontaran design. I, I think it's one of the best things. It's, it's bad. It's as much as I don't like the Chibnall era. I will praise it. I will sing its praise when I think it does right, and that Sontaran design's killer. But for, for you know, for for, for the purple and the blue, uh, not blue, but you know, kind of silverish blue. Yeah, it was a shi- There was a shiny blue. Like it, it's it's a very. I think it's a very good design. Okay, is there anything else that uh, is there anything else worth covering? Yeah, I mean. Generally, just like like thoughts on the companions, because we haven't actually really delved into them. No, so um, I'll see how many I can list. We've got Rose, Donna, Martha, Jack, Mickey for a bit. Um, let's see. Um, there was the other Doctor as well who went to the parallel Earth. Um, what else? Let's see. Jenny. Sorry? Je- Jenny. Oh, yeah, Jenny. And we, we've still got no word on... Well, we know what she did after the events of the Doctor's Daughter, but it's like it's like the Doctor's actual, you know, procreation-sourced granddaughter Susan. We've got no further word about her endeavours that, either. That, that is kind of sad. Like, one even said... Um, one day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there's to be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Go forward, know your beliefs, and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mind. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. I nailed that by heart. And yet, we've never come back to Susan. Why? Um, well... Did, wait, did, didn't Susan appear in Big no. Finish? No. Well, I don't know about the Big Finish stuff. Because I've, do, I've done what's some the, of What's the, the canonicity of the Big Finish stuff? Oh, I don't know. It's like the comics. How canon are the comics? How canon I mean, are the Big I, Finish I production? I hope the Big Finish stuff's canon, because, I mean... Okay, have you have you heard any of the stuff with the uh, John McQueen master? Nah, uh, nay. John McQueen might actually be better than uh, John Sims and... Oh, what's her name? Roger Daldago. Are you talking about Roger Daldago? The one no. with the beard? No, it's, I, I'm talking Modern Masters. Oh, Modern there, Masters. There's only been four. Uh, Missy. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of the actress's name. Oh, I can't remember her name. Because it, it... I think it... it Hold on, I I will remember. Uh, what's what's There's the, the Asian other one? Girl. There's the Asian master. Yeah, but what's the actual names? Michelle Gomez. I I know her. Uh... Yeah, we're gonna have to look up. Uh, season twelve, Doctor Who. Uh, Sasha da da one. I actually, to be fair, I liked Sasha as the master as well. Which master is he? Sorry, is he the... He, yes, he's the Asian one. He's the most recent one. Yes. 
Right. But in terms of the best, I actually think McQueen's the best for Modern Masters. There's some bias there, but, mm. but, but there is big finish stuff. But I swear Su- Susan, uh, Susan's been in the big finish stuff. I, I'm not familiar with that, if that's the case. I'm talking about in the TV series. Susan Susan has not appeared again in the TV series in the almost 60 years it's been running. Yeah, no, yeah, no, she, she's been in Big Finish. Okay. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah, no, she's been in Big Finish. Uh, who else in terms of companions? Uh, from the modern series? Oh, yeah, Kylie Minogue. Oh, yeah, she was Astrid Peth. Yes. But she got turned to Stardust, and now she's floating through space. Yes, as Stardust. You're not falling, you're flying. Okay, uh, just as a note, uh, Astrid Peth is easily the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the hottest of the modern companions. Yes, I said that. I mean, it's Kylie Minogue. I, I... I've got no, I've got no reason to judge you. I mean, take that up with the fandom. That's a, oh, I don't want to fight the fandom on this. I'm gonna specify in my opinion. I don't want to argue. Please. <laughs> I was gonna say. No, because to be do... fair, if if some someone someone in the comments may may argue it anyway, even even though I've said in my opinion. That's that, that actually that's a that's another thing. Um even in the comments as well, in addition to what I've mentioned before. Favorite companions or favorite modern doctors, since that's the uh topic or favorite from nine and ten, what you liked about them. In a, in a, in short, com- comments are good. Both both for the algorithm and for us. Um you know, learning about people's people's opinions right um, so worst episodes we we should we should get all both give a worst episode of of ferocity yeah specifically right. of okay. this era um worst hmm if you go first because this is a difficult one for me i try not to think of something as worst I'm gonna you say go, it. You, you go first. You're more, you're more, um... I'm gonna say it. Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters. Which one was that? Was that, um... Off. Oh, yeah. Okay, you mentioned... Yeah. Thing is, it's not a bad episode, conceptually speaking. But I really don't think it's great in practice. I mean, in terms of writing, it's it's a quintessentially Russell T. Davis episode. Because Russell T. Davis... He's great at writing people, believable people. Not not like, you know, oh, grounded, oh, we have to take this. But, but you know, people that feel human. Mm. It, it's when, when you see Lin, uh, Linda in its early days as an organisation and they're singing. You know, they do stuff like singing and talent, but also crying over each other's tale, life experiences, that kind of stuff. Mm. There, there very much was a human episode. It is just the Absorbalov is one of the worst. I don't think that episode needed a villain. 
I, I, I'm going to be really honest. It, the Absorbaloff was a mistake. It alone is a mistake. But I think the episode could have worked without a villain. Yeah, it's alright. Their relationship, their relationship got a clean slate. Oh no. That's... I've been planning that one. I've been planning that one for the past like two minutes. 42 was also pretty bad. 42? One with the sun. For living sun. Living. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that felt so. That felt like the definitive monster of the week episode. Right, as for me, the worst one from the 9th and 10th era. Um. Hmm. That's, that's difficult, because I'm very much someone who tries to look at pros and cons as equally as I can, so I try not to have... Oh, hold on. Uh, you know, sorry, I've asked, go away. Um, hmm. Hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think I have an answer for that. I'd have to watch them back. Right. Personal stories, then. So we've given up how we got introduced to Doctor Who, but like, what impact has Doctor Who had on you as a person? Um, I wouldn't say... I'm not going to say emotional. Like, it, it's not one of those things that has, you know, changed... Or not one of those things that has greatly changed who I am as a person, but it's one of... It's one of the... It's one of the few... It's one of the few interests that has really stuck with me since I was younger. Mm. Um, video games are video games. While broad, are also one of those. Um, but Doctor Who, being the first full, being the first series TV show that I recall watching, that wasn't an old sitcom when being at my nan's. Um, yeah, Doc, Doctor Who. So it still... wasn't Carry On. No, but I have seen. I have you, seen. You should. You I've, should I've, feel I've the pain just from. Voice I've, I've seen. I've seen bits and pieces from those movies. Um. <laughs> nah, Doc, Doctor Who has, does, and always will have a place with me, and I've even got the Eleventh Doctor as part of my supposed dream team. You know, when the Avengers came out and people were making their own, you know, dream teams, if you will. Yeah. The eleventh Doctor is still there, See? alongside alongside Blaze the Cat, Jotaro Kujo, Prince Vegeta the Fourth, and Jack Skellington. I mean, for side dear of Doctor Stephen, I I really do re relate to the sentiment. I mean, hmm. ultimate. I mean, okay, I I I actually do have a tale to tell. Ooh, so great tale. See, okay, so. As much as I, I more more remember the later series compared to the first series, the first series did stick with me in one way when I was smaller. That I vividly remember. I remember being afraid of fat people because of the Slovene. No. I'm not joking. I actually had a fear of fat people. Interesting. Yeah, Sarah for Sarah Jane Adventures kind of changed that boy because it, you know, uh, I don't. Well, you don't 
I don't know if you remember, but the Slovenian learned to uh, fit in no, no they, they learned to fit in normal bodies. They they had yeah, the, there was a child one. Yeah, I know the child was fat. I'm talking later in the oh, se- yeah. season because uh, there's an episode where uh. Because remember, Luke was cloned, but there's an episode where these people think Luke's their son. So they take him. But they're actually Slovenes. But they're, they're normal, you know, normal people. They're, they're not like, you know, majorly obese. They're just normal folk. And, you know, so that kind of made me realise, oh wait, I, I just need to fear everyone. Everyone could have a green big Cordelian inside of them. Every, everyone gets it. Yes. I mean, ah, I mean, when when I was younger as well, I used because I I had no friends really. I, I I was bullied through most of primary school, so I used to just run around pretending to be the dot and going on my own solo adventures. There. Yeah. But it does stick with you. And it has stuck with people since sixty three. Yep. And that's interesting because there are, you know, there's people who don't know a lot about Doctor Who, you know, because they've not, you know, spent the time to watch it or they're not interested. But because of how widespread it is, how common knowledge it is, there's information that they pick up that a novice, you know, a Doctor Who novice in, well... (sighs) I don't know, there's there's vital facts that people know nowadays about Doctor Who without well, even watching you know, you know it. Like Derek. they know they know you don't call you they know you don't call him Doctor Who anymore unless you're referring to Peter Cushing. You know him as the Doctor. Hmm. Like you know, um Oh, what was it? Right, so you you know Drak. Yes. Um Drak even Drak's familiar with Doctor and and can recall episodes like the Dinosaurs on a spaceship. So yeah. that's the impact it has, even on people that don't really know Doctor Who. They can still list certain episodes that they remember exist. That just further cements the point, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, even in America, it it, it grew in popularity with ten, and then eleven kind of cemented it, cemented this idea that actually it can work in America as well. I say that not so much anymore, but it's not even doing well here. Those mm. ratings. We can we can get to Chibnall another day. Trust me, you'll have your man. Yes, we will have him. But today is not that day. No, today so is a celebration we... of Russell T Davis. Because okay, so an story time. Oh boy! Does anyone know how Russell T Davies? Uh, was involved why Dot Two even came back. His personal experience with it? No, there's there's a story about him and one of the producers. Okay. Well we've been going on for a while, so let's let's go let's get through this story. I'm curious, but then we Oh, I'm trying... I think it was just right, so he was friends with this producer for BBC, uh, this woman, and she wanted to bring Dot Two back. She convinced him, and they both basically just pushed for it. That's as simp- that's as succinctly as I remember it. 
So she wanted it to come back. He agreed. Bada bing, bada boom. They pushed for it. Done. Kind of. Go on. Or is that, is that where it ends? That, that's about as much as of it okay. I can actually remember. <laughs> I was right, going to say story time because I thought I remembered more than I actually did. I, if I you want. I forgot. Right. Here's an idea. If you want. When we finished recording, you can do some research, and then when the VOD's up, you can put in the comments or the description what the full story is. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think I'll, I'll, I'll look for an article or something and put the link to that in the comments. Okay, just, so just, should we... just in case people are curious about how Doctor Who came to return to British televisions. Okay then, should we close off? Yeah, I, I, I'd say this is a good point to end a podcast. So. Thank, thank you for for tuning in. If you have, we we hope you had a good time, shared some laughs with us, fumbled through our awkward uh, synapses of episodes and recaps, uh, and our our memories related to this era of Doctor Who. Join us next week as we discuss the first half of the Stephen Moffat era of Doctor Who, series five, six, and seven. Oh, so this is any okay, any sorry, remarks is... you have before we go? Um, not really. Really, just um, if you enjoy, if you enjoyed and managed to get all the way through, first of all, thank you. You're a you're a patient sod. I can tell you that much. But thank you for sticking through. And if you enjoyed our ceaseless ramblings, then feel free to like, leave a comment as. Uh, suggested earlier and if you want to be notified on when the next uh, podcast goes up then feel free to subscribe and hopefully if YouTube does its job properly you'll be notified well we'll see you uh, ne- next week hopefully hopefully next week Let, let's not raise our hopes let's ju- that's the plan but we'll, that, we'll that leave room for as we, we'll, we, we'll as, leave as we know from Doctor Who nothing ever goes to plan also, from our last upload, being many months ago, there's that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Also, uh, so uh, we have a Patreon. So if, if, you want, if you want to support our awkward ramblings, even though we don't have much, but we do want to increase how much we do this, uh, don't, feel free to donate to the Nerd Heard Podcast on Patreon. Uh, if you, you can become... There, there are two special Discord roles on our, our Discord server for Nerdhurst. You and you can find me and me and a spectrum on different social media platforms, and the podcast itself you can find on YouTube and multiple other podcast sites and Spotify. Okay. Um, Thank you. Yeah, this has been a Spectrum V, or but you may also call me Lewis. Very well. Yeah. <laughs>